Welcome back to the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. And on this week's episode, we've got something special for you. A little bit of an expanded episode this week. But like always, we'll start by taking a look back at the race that was. We'll be looking at Atlanta, how the bets went, how the race went, try to recap that as best as we can. And, you know, try to answer that question maybe once and for all. Is it a super speedway? We'll talk about it. Then we're going to look ahead at the upcoming race this Sunday, the weekend of racing at Circuit of the Americas, also known as CODA. We'll try to preview that race, try to talk about the different talking points and the things that we need to be aware of heading into that. And then we'll make some picks. Going to go with a couple guys who I think, you know, are a little bit of snakes in the grass. I think you could say double digit odds i always like that when uh, we're talking about guys that are stronger so we'll talk about who those guys are among other things then we'll get in some more proppy bets condensed this time we'll talk about finishing positions and the same driver who i like in a head-to-head matchup so a little bit condensed why though is it condensed we've got a special guest this week we are dipping our toe in the sand of another sport You know, we typically like to do this when we have some big events coming up. Well, we've got opening day in baseball coming around the corner. March 30th, I believe, is the date. And so for that, I wanted to have on someone who's going to be able to guide anybody listening to this podcast in the right direction. We've got Nick from Nick's MLB Picks on Twitter. This guy is an absolute baseball savant. And so we're going to be talking with nick in the you know second portion of the episode my guest segment this week um, for about an hour and a half a great conversation breaking down all the future bets in baseball that we could possibly touch on there's a million types try to pick nick's brain on uh, the different bets that are out there that he likes and get a feel for the upcoming season for mlb so um, i know that There's a lot of just regular degenerates out there, gamblers out there, um, in addition to NASCAR fans. So I hope that you find that conversation with Nick worthwhile and interesting because I sure did. So we'll talk about that in just a little bit. Let's start, though, by recapping Atlanta. And is it a super speedway? That question, I think, is still kind of a question. Uh, I'm going to go with it is. But it's its own type of super speedway. I mean, the racing itself, they were in pack racing and they definitely had signs of super speedways, you know, with the wrecks and the way that the the Kevin Harvick incident with Chastain, the way that that went down, that's definitely, you know, a symptom of a super speedway race. The thing is, there are also symptoms of non-super speedway racing, like the fact that you had Logano basically leading the entire race it felt like, um, or, you know, at least entire stages. And then you get to the third stage and Kozlowski's leading basically the entire stage. That is not a symptom of super speedway racing. Um, so there are different portions to this Atlanta racetrack that, you know, kind of speak for themselves. So I would say it's a, a mini super speedway. Um, now, whether it was great racing, I think there was a lot of debate around that as well. 
I had the pleasure of getting the invite to go watch the race with our friend Derek Yoder, who a lot of people follow on Twitter, and uh, gave him the invite, took the trip up to Lancaster to watch the race with Derek and his buddy Zach. By the way, side note, Derek makes a phenomenal spread, burgers and wings with Old Bay seasoning on it. Man, they were fantastic, so shout out Derek for that. Um, dude's a great host, and we watched this race, and I don't think any of us really said you know, the racing was terrible, uh, but it definitely wasn't as exciting as you could probably hope for when you're getting together with some buddies to watch a race. Like, they were, you know, single-file racing for a long period of time, and I think that's just because the, the drivers did not want to mess around with that early in the race. They wanted to be able to finish the race, and the incidents we did see, you know, it the Harvick and Chassin incident, I guess, was the biggest situation, wrecking the front of the field. Um, but you didn't see that kind of stuff really happening back in the pack. It was more so just minding your P's and Q's. And, you know, it's good for the drivers. But as far as the racing is concerned, I wouldn't say that this was like an absolute home run for NASCAR. Now, was it great to see the end of the race end without like a huge wreck? I think that's a plus yeah i know that the drivers were happy that it ended that way um but you still maybe as a fan would want to see a little bit more action um so let's talk about the bets that we had in there logano's your winner and you know i have to say that was an absolute masterful move by joey logano and he was on the lower line basically trying to get that you know low train going and made his way up to that top line and just took the lead in, and that was it. All she wrote for Brad. Brad doing his best at the front, trying to block both sides, and, you know, he wanted to think that he could have it, but there's that other side of you. Like, if he is really at a super speedway, the guy out front's usually kind of a sitting duck, and um, it didn't work out where he was a sitting duck, but it was more so that move that Logano made to get up there. Like I, it was just really impressive to watch and to see him do that without tearing the, the race cars up or anybody behind him um, getting squirrely very well done by Logano. I was a little bit disappointed because I had Brad Kozlowski called him out on um, Instagram on the uh, card to start the day had Kozlowski plus 1800. So when he was winning, all of those are leading all those laps rather in that third stage. I was feeling pretty good about that. Also had Blaney who somehow some way got called for speeding on pit road when he was between two cars. I have no idea how that's fucking possible, but Blaney comes back from a speeding penalty and he was in there. I mean, I really thought that Blaney was going to be kind of in the captain seat towards the end of that race, put himself in position because he was back there. He was pushing most of the time. Um, I had him outright as well, but it was all for naught. So shout out to anyone who called out Logano. I know our guys at the Flag Hunting Pod had Logano. It was a good celebration for them. Bets that we did win, we had LaJoy top 10. That was one that um, felt pretty confident about and got that at a good clip. That was like plus 235, I believe. Um, Jones, Eric Jones sneaks into the top 10. Like I, That was one there. I was not focused on that at all. I had kind of written that one off, and then when the top 10 came out at the end i was like wow where'd he come from cash that one um like plus 235 there as well i believe and then the one head-to-head -head that we were really on last week that i felt really strongly about was daniel suarez over almarola and 
felt really strongly about it before the race started. And then the race started, and you got Almirola up front for a good portion of the start. And then Suarez looked really strong out there, but they both got caught up in the same wreck when Almirola spun essentially on his own, clips Suarez, and we just barely cash that one. Um, so I was very thankful that they scored Suarez above Almirola on that one because, you know, he got taken out in the wreck. So that would be very frustrating to lose that head-to-head because Almirola spins on his own and takes out your guy. Um, so cash that head-to-head. That was one that we were really strong on. But we uh, we missed the rest, essentially. Um, we had McDowell, you know, in a top 10. That missed. And, and also for my tool hangers one and done, which we'll talk about later, toolhangers.com one and done pool. Um, I had McDowell there as well. And he was fluctuating throughout the day. Um, there were times when he was in the top 10, but for the most part, he was running like 15th to 20th. So um, didn't really do that great, but uh, he, he wasn't catastrophic in a one and done pool. So McDowell didn't get the top 10 for me. Um, really just kind of a so-so day for him on a super speedway. But we will be talking more about Michael McDowell in just a little bit. Then the uh, the other bet that we were tracking together as a group, Zach, Derek, and I, was uh, Austin Dillon over Ricky Stenthouse. And, man, that one we really just couldn't get our, head abo- our heads above water on that one. Stenthouse just kept finding ways to get out front or be in the top five and then drop a little bit. But Dillon, you know, he, he couldn't stay out of his own way couldn't really pull himself up into the top 20. So that was a tough one to bet on as well and to track that one. So um, all in all, it wasn't a great day for the podcast, but I think that's why we wanted to play that race a little light because we knew that that super speedway nature to it was going to play into that, and, you know, it sure did. So congrats on anyone who had Logano outright. Now, let's get to Karch Madness and shout out to Anyone who reached out to get involved in the pool, um, now I do want to respect, got a couple messages saying, hey, you know, I want to be in the pool. I don't really want my name out there. You know, I was thinking about doing a name out of a hat situation. I get it. You know, I understand that. So we do have uh, some scores to report here because remember, this is a spread pool. Trying to work this out to see how fun this would be in a head-to-head situation in NASCAR. Man, did we have some upsets this week. Holy cow. We had the one seed go down. It was Ryan Priest. He just had a rough go at Atlanta. And he was giving up quite a few spots to Ty Dillon. And shout out Ty Dillon. I mean, he won this race on the track. He won this money line. Um, Ty Dillon had a decent day for once and just straight up uh, dominated Ryan Priest in, in every sense. So he was catching points and it didn't even matter. Then we had um, Cody Ware who takes down Harrison Burton. Uh, Burton also was a a victim here, but this is where Cody Ware, who I believe finished dead last, was catching a ton of points, seven and a half points, I think it was, and he cashes that ticket in. So um, shout out to the guy who has Cody Ware. He moves on. So Ty Dillon and Cody Ware, the seven and the eight seeds, are moving on. So to set the matchups, I said on Twitter, I would set the lines this week here. We've got... In the first Final Four matchup, Noah Gregson taking on Ty Dillon. And Gregson is a 10.5-point favorite in this matchup on the road course. Gregson performed pretty well on the road course last year. The one race that he was in in the Cup Series, he did pretty well in. And uh, Ty Dillon, 
you know, he, he's really turning out to be a, a bit of a you know mystery here in the 77 car, especially after last week doing half bad. Then we've got Eric Jones, who is the perennial favorite to win Karch Madness this year. He is now minus 17 and a half to Cody Ware. Eric Jones has some really good numbers from last year's road courses, whereas Cody Ware is essentially um, just a parked car out there. So the thing about Jones is, and, and you know, rewatching this race, as we're going to get into in a second, you could get spun out in the first turn at Coda, and that could really put a hurting on you. So if that happens to Eric Jones, Cody Ware is in business. I mean, minus 17.5 points, that's almost half the field. So um, this is why we have the spread. It should be fun. So good luck to everybody still in the Karch Madness pool here this year going into the, the second leg here, the final four. All right, so let's switch gears. Let's talk about Coda, the first road course of the year. And there's a number of different storylines here that worth talking about. But this is, we'll start by saying this is the third time that they've gone to Coda, which is formerly the home of F1 in America. Now F1 goes to Miami and they'll be going to Vegas this year as well. But this was the only track for an extended amount of time where F1 came in America. So this is now the third time NASCAR has been to Austin. And just looking at our typical track stats, not much to report here for you, I'm sorry to say. The winners in the first two races here, nobody has started on the pole. No one has even started in the top five. We had one driver start within the top ten, and nobody between the two of them has started outside the top 20. But the main pattern that you need to be aware of is the fact that Chevy is absolutely unbeatable lately on these road courses. I'm pretty sure I have my stats correct here that Nobody has beaten Chevy since Christopher Bell at the Daytona Road Course in 2021. So that is just wild um, and you know super incredible that Chevy has this run. And my mind immediately went to, wow, I want to bet Chevy. But they were minus 150 on Caesars. I believe they were the first spot that I saw. And even though it seems like a lock, I'm a little sketchy. And I think that's part of the storyline that we're getting into right now with this first road course of the year. Does Chevy still have it? That's the question. I mean, they've they've had it up until last week at Atlanta where we had a forward win. Chevy had won every race in this season. So, I mean, they've got it going on this season. Now, can they keep it going on the road courses? That's a, a big thing. Last year, talking about more storylines, last year was possibly, possibly the most wild ending that we saw in the Cup Series. If I can remind you, we had Ross Chastain, you know, leading a bunch of laps towards the end. He was leading the race. A.J. Allmendinger was making a push for him at the end, and then out of nowhere, because those two were tracking each other down, we had Alex Bowman come and knock them both out of the way. Um, and, you know, A.J. eventually gets spun, and he gets, you know, sent, see you later, buddy. And Chastain rebounds and comes and knocks Bowman out of the way at the very end to regain the lead and win the race. Now, if you're a fan of the podcast, you probably remember this one just for the fact that this was a huge hit for us. We hit this one uh, very, that was a very long, odd bet. Um, I can't even remember. I think it might have been like 30 to 1 or 40 to 1 because uh, no one really knew much about Trackhouse at that point. So it was a huge hit for the podcast. We had Chastain on the outright card there. So 
definitely uh, a memorable one, that's for sure. And if I remember correctly, you know, a lot of people on Twitter kind of hit on that one as well. It was a very popular win in the gambling community, uh, thinking back on it. So still some other storylines to talk about here because NASCAR, with the rule change this year, they have made it so that during stages... You're still racing for stage points on road courses this year, but they are not going to throw the yellow flag and have a caution, which would then, you know, breed pit stops and everything like that. That's huge. That is an absolutely enormous change in the structure of this race. We haven't seen a stage-free road course race since 2016 Watkins Glen. That year, you know, Sonoma and Watkins Glen, that's, you know, if you want some details about how crew chiefs would call those races go back and give those a look but um what this is going to mean is instead of having drivers pit early and get the track position after the caution you know you're not going to have that split anymore so you've got guys who are going to qualify well they're going to run well supposedly they're going to have the drama in the beginning but if the race does start to get spread out we're not going to have that natural caution anymore and cause some of the shift in the the different track positions and guys losing positions after you know leading most of the race we saw a a situation last year that i'm going to talk about when we talk about one of our picks to win the race how that was detrimental to them Uh, so it's a big change in the race and i'm anxious to see as I'm sure anybody else is, how this is going to play out and how the crew chiefs are now going to come into play to, to make some calls on to when to pit. Um, and then finally, you know, we've got some ringers. We've got some different road course drivers coming in to NASCAR, which I think is really cool. Kimi Raikkonen is definitely the headliner here. He's obviously an F1 legend. A lot of fans of F1. A lot of fans of Kimi Raikkonen, and I think uh, Trackhouse is doing a really cool thing having him drive that 91 car, so we'll see how he can do. He raced at Watkins Glen last year, ran pretty decent, but he ended up getting screwed around at the bus stop, and um, that was all she wrote for him. So uh, we'll see how he goes this time around at a track that he is probably a little more familiar with. Then we've got James Button driving this year, Connor Daly in the race this year, Jimmy Johnson, and, uh, you know, really, really cool to see all of those guys getting into it here. And finally, Jordan Taylor driving the nine car this year as well in Chase's absence. So a lot of storylines at Coda, you know, with the first race of the, the road course season, all those guys in it, the change of the rules. The fact that last year was so great with the ending um, yeah, a lot of eyes on this race, you'd have to imagine. Now, the data set that I'm looking at this week to try to handicap this race, well, I want to look at the two races at Coda. You know, even though one of them was not within the next-gen car and it was in a rain race, I just still want to see some of the loop data there and see how these guys um, got some finishes. But most importantly is the six road course races from 2022. They were in the next-gen car, and it just gave us a, a really good sample size of how these guys ran on these road courses and of course you know we had our friend ryan stevens on a few weeks ago gonna discuss some of the true performance ranks that we have when um, we're calling out some of these guys as it you know goes to their benefit or not to their benefit if we're trying to fade someone so um, that's really what we're getting into this week to try to pick some winners so let's go ahead and do that i want to talk about somebody 
who now I had my conversation that I'm going to talk about in a bit with Nick, Nick's picks, when we had our baseball conversation. That was on Monday night. Now, I'm recording this on Tuesday night. And Nick, at the end of our call, mentioned a driver. And it was somebody that I had written down in my notes. Didn't know if I was going to go all in on him. But when Nick said it, it really made me, you know, investigate. And he threw out Daniel Suarez. So this one is for Nick. And we're going to get into Daniel Suarez here at plus 1,500. There's a ton of stuff when you're digging into it that jumps off the page to you here. And, and this outright pick at 15 to 1 is something that I just cannot pass up on. Um, so Suarez, obviously, first checkpoint, he's driving a Chevy. So there's that. I mean, just really you know important to do. Now we're going to call somebody else out here that is not driving a Chevy in a second. But first driver we're talking about, good. Driving a Chevy, keep that win streak going here. Now, if you're looking at the odds, you might say to yourself, 15 to 1 for, for Suarez, that seems, you know, maybe a little long. Um, at least that's where my mind went. I don't know if I'm crazy here, but I think one of the contributing factors there is the fact that both of his Coda races did not end well for Daniel Suarez. His, his finishes were not good. Um, you know, well outside top 20 in both of those races. But if you're looking at 2022, his last six road course races, he has a win and three top fives. Now, the thing is, he's got three top fives, and those three top fives are, you know, basically what he's riding on, three top 10s, three top 20s. So the funny thing is, it's very hit or miss. If he's driving well, you know, he's going to be setting up and he will be a factor if he's not caught up in somebody else's stuff, as we're going to talk about here in, in just a second. But the fact of the matter is, even though he's only had three top 20 finishes, they were all in the top five, his driver rating out of everyone last year is fourth. So that's trying to tell you that story of those. some of those finishes were not what he deserves. There was only three drivers in NASCAR last year that had three top five finishes on the road courses. One of them was Chase Elliott, who is not driving this week. Another one was Tyler Reddick, who is in a different car. So the third one, Daniel Suarez, only getting stronger, same equipment, same everything. I think that's pretty damn good. Um, Coda, you know, he was up front last year and really was leading a lot of laps early. He led 15 laps, actually. That was the second most, um, and second most to Ross, actually. But this is where we're talking about the being a victim a little bit of the stage breaks, because at the stage break, he got shuffled back. He was running you know, mid-pack on that restart, and Mike Joy called it Calamity Corner, that first corner at Coda there, going to the top of the hill, and he gets shuffled out, and even though he was dominating in stage one, all of a sudden, boom, you know, his his race has changed completely. And he's a bit of an afterthought when you're looking back at the race. So this is a scenario where if there are no stage breaks with the cautions, he's going to stay out and maybe we'll get some green flag pit stops and he will regain that track position up front. So he had a really strong car last year, did not get the finish he deserved. So because of that, I'm taking advantage of this. Um you look at Trackhouse as a whole. I mean, they dominated this race because Ross, he led like 34 of the laps. So we got 15 laps there for Suarez. Ross, like 32 or 34 laps led. 
And other than that, there's not many other laps to be led. So this team clearly has a good notebook. This car, going back to this racetrack, and I would prefer to take the the 15-to-1 driver here with Daniel Suarez. So um, I like everything that we just laid out there, plus the fact that when I put Nick on the spot here later, he calls out Daniel Suarez out of thin air. So um, I'm digging that. Let's talk about a driver. Similar odds. If it's not going to be a Chevy, who's it going to be? And I think I had the same conversation last year when we got to Watkins Glen, saying to myself, who's it going to be if it's not a Chevy? My answer, like then, same now, it's going to be Austin Sendrick. He's also plus 15 to 1. For a non-Chevy, this is your best value with a real, actual shot. He finished 8th here last year. His last six road course races, two top fives, four top tens, and five top 15s. Like, he is in the hunt. He is second in average finish in all of NASCAR, 9.3. Like, that's unbelievable. And fifth in driver rating. That, by the way, is the best non-Chevy. So you might, as the odds start to get released throughout the week, you might want to look at Austin Sendrick for top Ford and the manufacturer bets. Uh, But it seems like Sendrick is just turning into kind of a specialty driver, right? He's decent on super speedways and very, very good on road courses. Look at the true performance rank on win the race. He's fifth in the road courses last year. And we talk about laps led last year, right? We said that Ross had a bunch and Suarez had a bunch. He led 11 laps last year, and there was only three drivers that led double-digit laps. So it was Ross, Suarez, and Sendrick. So these are the guys who had quality races last year. And with these stage breaks, Austin Sendrick historically has started very well. He's qualified well. So if he does that again this year, Penske, by the way, I mean, this season, Penske has just qualified well, it feels like, all the time. Um, so if that continues this week, last year, Ryan Blaney won the poll. So Penske definitely could qualify well. That could do really good things for this team, uh, Penske as a whole, but Sindrick as well here at plus 1,500. So really into Austin Sindrick as a non-Chevy driver to win the race. I think this suits him quite well. The last driver I'm going to call out to win, this is me holding myself accountable, right? Holding myself accountable to anyone out there listening because I made such a big deal about this driver and the switch that was happening during the season preview podcast and the the first couple races that we talked about because he got a win early in the year. This is Kyle Busch. And he's going off at 8-1. to one. I think that this is something I just have to do. I, I have to talk about him because of this experiment that we're getting into here. So um, the experiment, if you're kind of new to NASCAR, maybe in the last couple weeks, the 8 car, which is the car that Kyle Busch is driving right now, was phenomenal on road courses last year. Like, absolutely Phenomenal. I I can't use another word. Tyler Reddick in that car turned heads. He got everyone's attention. And it was, hey, wow, look how Tyler Reddick is someone who is now phenomenal or or great on road courses. Does Kyle Bennett from that? Is it the eight car or was it Tyler Reddick? 
This is the first experiment race that we have for that. And earlier in the season, it really seemed like the eight car compared to Tyler had an advantage. I mean, he got that win at Auto Club. Um, he won us money there. So if you're looking at the stats at the eight car, this eight team put out last year, two wins, three uh, top fives, five top tens out of six races. I mean, that's really good. Now you look at Kyle on the flip side, he only had one top 10 and it happened as a third place finish at the Roval. So, you know, Kyle, can he take advantage of the setup that this car had the Chevy power, you know, will Reddick duplicate his performances at road courses? I'm so anxious to see this, but you look at Kyle and he finished 10th here in 2021. That was not a next-gen car, but this was the first race at Coda. And that was a race that Kyle Busch should have won. There was a rain-shortened race, if you might remember. And Chase Elliott ended up winning, but there were some pit stops that happened. And Kyle got out of sync. And if the rain didn't come and everything sorted itself out, Kyle Busch was going to win that race running away. He led 12 laps in that. Um, I mean, Kyle Busch in his past has had road course prowess like that is a fact so does it come back now that he's with this new team the chevy manufacturer um i think we were joking around saw some people joking around on twitter like kyle's going to be like plus 400 <laughs> when the odds open so plus 800 you know i, I see I mean, he's already lower at some books like plus 750 already um i think that kyle I, I just have to do it whether this is a good bet or not i have to do it just be for the for the sake of it uh, because I've talked about it at nauseum. So 8-1, to one, Kyle Busch, we'll see if he can get it done in the new whip. So that's going to be rounding out the outright picks right now. This is Daniel Suarez, 15-1, Cindric 15-1, Kyle, 8-1. to one. Now, I'll say this before we switch segments here. We've got practice this week for a little bit, and we've got qualifying we're going to definitely try to take advantage of some of the things that we're seeing this week of practice and uh, make some adjustments on the fly. So keep your eyes peeled for any bets that we add later in the week as far as outright positions are concerned. Firm but with little give. Yep, these are medium rare. What if somebody wants theirs well done? We ask them politely yet firmly to leave. So now we'll get to the finishing position bets. And I mentioned at the start of the podcast that this section was a little bit more condensed because typically on a podcast, I'll talk about some guys that I like to finish, you know, top five, top 10, or, you know, any type of prop bet there. And then I'll have another segment where I talk about head-to-head matchups. But the thing that I found this week, and I was trying to condense it a little bit because we have a conversation with Nick coming up, um, switching gears about baseball, but I found head-to-head matchups on the same guys that I like for top 10s. And I don't know why I wouldn't call them out in this scenario because I like these drivers a lot for top 10s, but very much so for the head-to-head matchups as well. So let's get into it here. The first driver that I'm calling out for a top 10, he is plus 150 on Barstool. And we're talking about Chris Buescher, baby. Uh, I think I might need to take a little bit of a sprinkle on him, 30-1 to 1 outright. That'll probably hit the card uh, this week if he remains at that number. I might just have to throw that in when I'm done recording here. And the reason why I'm calling him out so nonchalant right now is because his stats were great last year. Like, this isn't really a risky bet to me. 
Like, this doesn't feel like a stretch. At plus 150 to finish in the top 10, like, normally you're a little bit sweating that out. His numbers last year make me feel very confident about that. In six races, he had one top five, five top tens. The only other driver with five top tens was Tyler Reddick, and we just documented how awesome he was last year. We're talking about Chris Buescher. Like, is he flying below the radar? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I know we called him out a few times last year, but to see the, the totality of what he came back with uh, on road courses last year for the season is great. Average finish is first in NASCAR, 9.0 on the six road course races. Really awesome to see for this driver. And driver rating is sixth out of everyone. His true performance rank, third. So clearly... This is someone that, as you're digging into the stats, he's popping off the page, man. We need to get something on this guy. And top 10 at plus 150 when he did it five or six times last year, lock me in. I absolutely am down for this. Uh, he had a great run going last week. We're going to talk about like current form, current momentum. I was on Busher for a top 10, I believe, last week as well at Atlanta, and he was running well, RFK looked good last week. Obviously, Brad led a ton of laps, but Busher was there as well, up there, and he got clipped in, I believe, the Amarola spin. Maybe it was the Harvick situation, um, but in any case, he gets clipped, and that's essentially the end of his day, which sucked because he had a strong one going. So you got a little bit of momentum going there from RFK just as a company. I think they should be proud of what they put on the, the track on Sunday at Atlanta. you got a, a road course with a driver who clearly has a thing for them. So I like this top 10 at plus 150. Now we've got a head-to-head matchup with Chris Buescher. And he's going up against Joey Logano. Now, talking about a driver who just won a race. So who doesn't have – who has more momentum than this guy, right? Uh, but on road courses last year – Joey had two top 10s all of last year. And, you know, if you're looking at the stats, at least that I have in front of me, talking about like driver rating from last year, average finish, true performance ranks, looking at the driver ratings at Coda in general, those stats, laps led, all that stuff, average percentage in the top 10, et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't matter what you're looking at. Joey Logano is not showing up. His name is not popping out here. So that to me is an absolute opportunity to jump in here and say Chris Busher is clearly in position to win this head-to-head matchup. He's minus 110 on Caesars against Logano. Um, I am really into this head-to-head matchup as well. So top 10. As a matter of fact, I am going to take this one further. I'm, I'm doing this right now on a Tuesday. Let's talk about the one-and-done pool. All right, we got toolhangers.com sponsoring our one and done pool this year with a lot of other people that have the podcast out there in the NASCAR gambling world. We love this pool so far this year. It's a lot of fun. We've got toolhangers on board here. And just to give you a little sense of what they got going on, they specialize in custom tool hangers for storing, organizing, and displaying on pegboard tool walls for things like circular saws, drills, batteries, cords, garden tools, hand tools, whatever you got going on, they will find a product that fits your needs. They are the sponsor. We keep calling out the Tool Hangers One and Done Pool. Well, when you take a driver, you can't use them again. So you need to pick your spots. 
This is a driver that I want to get in on. Chris Busher, he's clearly one of the best road course racers in the game right now. I'm going to be using him this week in my tool hangers one and done pool. And uh, I'm be happy about it. If he can just get me a top 10, I'll be super happy. I'm kind of further down the list right now. I have a lot of ground to make up. So uh, I feel like Chris Busher is one that, you know, I wouldn't usually take him at some of the cookie cutter tracks. So I want to take my shot here and go with this car early in the season. See if it pays off for me. So all in on Busher this week, baby. We're, we're, we're going in for it now. Uh, the next driver we're calling out, somebody we talked about last week. Eminem, Michael McDowell, he's plus 155 to finish top 10 at Coda this weekend. And he's got similar stuff to Busher, man. And now McDowell is in a bit of a situation that I don't think recently we can remember him being in a spot like this because he's one of the only drivers in NASCAR that doesn't have a top 10 yet. I think that changes this weekend. At Coda in the two starts there, he's got a 7th place and a 13th place finish. So he's hovering right around that 10. His average finish happens to be uh, 10.0 in those two starts. Now, in his last six races last year on road courses, he's got one top five, four top ten. So very similar to Busher, And his average finish on those tracks, fourth in NASCAR, 10.8. His driver rating, for that matter, is second. True performance rank, third. And he's plus, excuse me, true performance rank was fourth. Um, and by the way, when we're talking about these stats and, and how they rank against everyone, I'm removing Chase Elliott from the book. So, uh, you know, if you're going back trying to look and say, oh, wait a second, he's, he's second in driver rating? No, Chase is probably uh, above him. I just removed him. Um, so true performance rank, he's fourth in NASCAR. That is just huge. It's the all-encompassing ranking on these road courses to see Michael McDowell's name that high on the list is jarring. I mean, it really is. So it says, damn, like, what can we do? How can we make money? That's what we're all about. So plus 155 for that top 10. I think he snaps that top 10 list streak this week at Coda. Now, this is a situation where he's going up against someone in a head-to-head matchup. He's minus 125 against Jordan Taylor. And I have a thing for taking drivers into head-to-head matchups against some of the quote-unquote ringers. I don't know if we're calling these guys ringers anymore. These are guys just, you know, hopping in the car, um, you know, for the storyline purposes. They got a lot of experience elsewhere and taking a shot here at Coda in NASCAR. It's great for the sport. The thing that's a little scary is Jordan Taylor is hopping in that nine car and, you know, obviously Chase has a lot of success to show for his history in the nine car and the road courses last year. But it's still a, a situation where new driver going up against someone that we just outlined has a ton of good experience last year on road courses. And McDowell versus Chase head to head last year on the six road courses, three and three. So it's not like Chase was dominating McDowell here. Um, so the nine car to me isn't like that much of a you know push over the top for someone that we're typically fading, typically trying to fade the the newcomers. The nine car isn't going to push it that much over the top for me to say, oh well, you know I should back off of this bet. I like Michael McDowell this week, and I like NASCAR drivers to typically beat some of the newcomers. So lock me in for McDowell plus one fifty five top ten 
and minus 125 on Caesars against Jordan Taylor. I think it's cool that they're including some of these guys in their head-to-head matchups on Caesars. Um, so I wanted to take advantage of this one. Last guy that we're going to call out wasn't thrilled with the top 10 line, but I think it's just a testament to the fact that he's not flying below the radar anymore. And it's A.J. Allmendinger. He's minus 122. I think last year we were kind of beneficial because the books, the fact that he wasn't a full-time driver in the Cup Series, definitely played into our hands as gamblers. But he's minus 122 for a top 10. I still think that is something I'm comfortable with. Like I've said before this year, I'm getting a little bit more comfortable giving up a little bit for these top 10s. And we're getting some value on the other guys that we called out. So a little bit tougher of a run this year for A.J., I'll be honest with you. I've had some high hopes. AJ at, um, well, Daytona, he did come through. He wasn't really a factor at Daytona like I thought he would be, like leading laps and all, but he did finish in the top 10 for us, so that's good. But Atlanta, you know, really didn't have much to show. And then the other tracks, I mean, he's basically a non-factor, so he doesn't have a lot of momentum to go off of. But if there's one place you want AJ Allmendinger on your side, it's road courses, man. I mean, he is phenomenal. Now, that minus 122 number, that doesn't sound great. You can get him uh, just to beat one other driver at minus 120. So, you know, top 10 to beat 30 guys or minus 120 to beat one driver, and that driver happens to be William Byron. So sticking with AJ's stats for a second here in his last six races, two top fives, four top tens, and five top 15s. So he is very consistent. It's clear. He's third in drive rating, 93.5 in that stat, seventh in average finish, and second last year in the true performance rankings. William Byron is not top 10 in any of those stats. Last year, head-to-head, we had A.J. taking the 4-2 victory in the season series on the road courses versus William Byron. So A.J. really stepped it up. I know he wasn't running full-time, in the Cup Series, but he really stepped it up. If you're looking at his finishes throughout the season, actually, Coda was one of his worst finishes, uh, but that's because, if you remember correctly, the situation we talked about at the ending of that race, he was going for that damn win, baby, and then he did not get that finish that he deserved. So, I mean, this this could have been a, a much better uh, stat line here for AJ. It'd be 5-1 against Willie B., So this head-to-head matchup really doesn't make sense to me. If you're looking at the true performance ranks, this is a huge discrepancy that usually, um, since I've signed up for that site, you look for the biggest discrepancies and head-to-head matchups on that stat, that metric, and it's typically going to score you a victory here. So I like AJ, top 10. Um, He's 1,200, I believe, to win the race, but definitely like him over William Byron this week at Coda. So to, to recap, the drivers we're calling out here, Busher, McDowell, AJ, all top 10s, all in their respective head-to-head matchups. Let's go. Feeling real good about these specific guys this week at Coda. All right, all right, all right. As advertised, we are switching gears here to talk about a different sport. I understand that there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast that are NASCAR fans, but I also understand that there are people out there that just like gambling and they like making money in any way possible. So I'm a big proponent of if there's you know a big event going on or if there's something else out there, let's let's you know 
open our arms a little bit. Let's see what else we can learn about. And with the baseball season approaching, you know, less than a week and a half away from when I'm recording this, it'll be under a week when they take the green flag at Coda. I thought it'd be great to get the perspective of a baseball handicapper out there that, in my opinion, is the best in the business, the best on Twitter. Um, it's at Nick's MLB Picks. Nick's Picks is the guy. And I was thrilled to sit down and talk with Nick for a very uh, long and extensive conversation about the upcoming 2023 baseball season. So um, if you'd like, you can get a little bit more of a visual element to this conversation with Nick on the YouTube channel as well. Uh, but if not, hang tight and you'll hear the whole thing coming up right now. So I hope you enjoy our conversation with Nick. So now we are really pumped to welcome on somebody who is brand new to the podcast. We're getting into something a little bit different this week with baseball season coming up. We are thrilled to have on Nick from Nick's MLB Picks on Twitter joining us. One of the best in the business, in my opinion. This dude doesn't miss. Nick, thank you for joining me tonight. I know you got a lot going on. Uh, how you doing tonight? I'm doing great. I'm I'm thrilled to be here. This is this is a this is a cool combination of things. So I'm excited for it. Yeah, I mean, you know, people that listen to this podcast, like, you know, what's going on? NASCAR, it's 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 Coda this week. Um, but I like to get different people from different sports when like big events are coming up, just because there are NASCAR fans out there, but there's also just like gamblers, right? Yeah. So you're. It's kind of just like, you know, when you're growing up, you're playing like all sorts of sports. If you're like an athlete or whatever, or, or you're into whatever hobby you're into, you, a lot of times just not locked into one specific thing. If you're a gambler, you like getting into a lot of different stuff. And I think that having you on is going to be great because it's going to set people up. We're going to get into talking about like the 2023 season type bets. Um, but I want to just, you know, get to know you a little bit. And and first, we got to talk about how we got connected because mm -hmm. it's just like such a such a weird world out there. And um, I'll let you take that one. Yeah. So this one, this one I was kind of excited to talk about. So, Phil, you are you are the man. All right. You're, you're kind of a little <laughs> bit of a legend in our in now. Our now they know why so much you're about. coming on. Yeah. Yeah. So okay, go ahead. Um, you guys. Um, know Chris from the flag hunting podcast. Well, Chris, a couple of years ago, messaged me. He's like, Hey man, you know, full tank with Phil. Right. And I was like, yeah, we've, we've talked about him. We listen to the podcast and everything. He's like, well, he does these listener head to head things. And he was super excited, picked out his track, ready for his matchups. Anyways, messaged us after the podcast. He was like, dude, being on a podcast is crazy. Like this is awesome. Anyways, long story short, this inspired Chris and Ian, who had been talking about this a little bit, to start the Flag Hunting Podcast. Chris and Ian started the Flag Hunting Podcast. I had been doing my baseball bets for a few years to the group chat, and I saw the Flag Hunting Podcast take off. And I guess, sorry, this is a subtle plug for the Flag Hunting Boys, too. Absolutely. Um, but um, they kind of took off, and I was like, I can make a Twitter account and just post my baseball bets on there. And I didn't do any interacting. It was just Twitter account nothing but picks. And then slowly I started meeting people, building a community, and it's kind of turned into what it is now. And uh, my my name actually, Nick's Picks, came from a buddy in the group chat, 
Jackson. So I'll give him a little shout out too, because he's just like, yeah, I've been waiting on Nick's picks for the day. I was like, yeah, that's a perfect name. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. I mean, you got the, the catchiness to it. First of all, this group chat that I've heard about for a while. I mean, you guys are like a conglomerate down there. Like, <laughs> I don't know how you guys are making money hand over fist. It has to be like these guys hit Logano last, last night. Yep. Um, you know, you are just clearly on fire. I don't know what other, and obviously Ian is a monster at golf, but uh, I mean, what other sports you guys got going on in this like crazy group chat? Yeah. So I've been the baseball guy this off season. I did hockey for about two months. I, I finished actually about, I think 27 units up in hockey. That was crazy. The last month, I will say I was down about 10. Last month, I was kind of like, all right, this is exposing me for not actually being a hockey <laughs> handicapper. So, um, but obviously Chris does NASCAR. Chris has been doing uh, some Premier League stuff. He's been doing uh, during the World Cup, Euro. He sends us bets. We hit Italy for the Euro um, a year or two back. Maybe have been longer wow. than that. But um Ian obviously does golf. Our buddy John has been doing basketball. Eric can be found on Twitter at ASG Eric. He does uh, any kind of crazy events like um, all the all-star events. He does some prize picks plays, uh, does the hot dog eating contest, all up some, some horse racing. He's the man, dude. And he he's up like 20 units, maybe even more than that too. Just um, and He just started his account within the this past year too. And then our buddy Jackson does some basketball too. And I, I think I mentioned John has been doing basketball, but he's too afraid to post them on Twitter, even though he does nothing but make us money. <laughs> I mean, wow. What a, what a group chat. At some point you guys are going to have to have like a, a monthly show just called like the group chat or something. Like that <laughs> cause, cause that's uh, it's just too good to, to pass up. Um, so you started Twitter account. How long ago was it? Was it like two years ago? It was actually right before last season. Uh, so okay. I started it in 2022. Um, I started a few months before the season and just had it ready to go. And I think the night before the season, I posted my – actually, no, I posted some spring training bets. So it was it was a little ways before the season. Nice. Okay. So then – Getting into it, you were mentioning like you started with some some hockey a little bit. Like how getting going, like what was it for you like in the very early beginning of like Nick's picks? Like you were telling me before we started recording, you got hooked up um, through midseason with a, a different platform, um, which we'll, we'll talk about um, mm -hmm. in a bit here. But like early going, you were saying it's just like come up with some picks put it out there, shut it off and, and rinse and repeat. Is that really, you know, what we're, we're talking about? Yep. I just posted the pics and that was it. I didn't interact. I didn't like anything, didn't comment or do anything. It was just, that was it. I just posted the pics on Twitter and, and the, I was not going anywhere. And then slowly I just started following people within the baseball and gambling community. And I've built some really, really cool relationships with people. Like I just did last night, a uh, fantasy baseball draft we did a, a google meet um with a handful of guys and it was all just guys in the baseball and just gambling community on twitter and i have another one tomorrow night no yeah a wednesday night with more just 14 different all kinds of um people from the gambling community so i've really grown and 
just from interacting with people. So like if anybody is looking to start a gambling Twitter account, don't be like introverted on it, like interact with people, you know, like DM people, reach out, make group chats. And, um, and yeah, it's, it's a blast. It, it, I've had a lot of fun with the people that I met on, on Twitter, you know? It's, it's funny because Twitter obviously, you know, has a, a big time bad rap for, for being, you know, a cesspool, but yeah. um, we've had a, a similar experience, like on the NASCAR side of things, like working with Chris, meeting Chris in, in real life, like kind of becoming buddies amongst, you know, the, the group of people that we've been talking with, like, it, it's awesome. I, I would not have thought that this would have been something where you can kind of meet people and, and enjoy it. Um, but here we are. And it's great to hear that, like, you've had a, a similar experience in the baseball side of things, mm-hmm. like really cool. Um, so I, I'm really interested to hear, and I promise, you know, we're going to be getting into some, some picks here in a bit, or just talking about this upcoming season, but I am super interested in your process uh, because it seems I I was actually with Derek uh, Yoder watching the race yesterday. I don't know if, you know, you know, Derek very well, but I said to him, I got Nick coming on and like just doing the race for NASCAR each week. Like, I feel like that takes a lot out of me, like exhausting. I can't imagine every day. And you have so many like different types of bets. Um, it's just like wild. So I- I'm so anxious to hear like kind of what your mindset is. Like, how do you get like centered to like start? Okay. Tomorrow's Tuesday, you know, March 21st. What's the slate? How do I find where I'm zooming in on? You know what I mean? If that question makes sense. Yeah. And um, Chris and Ian said the same thing. They're like, once a week is is too much as it is like every day is nuts it's and, crazy um, and, and you're doing spring training i am i'm doing spring training yeah today was awful but um spring training has been pretty good to me so everything's a roller coaster but yeah like my my initial process is like just sit down look at the slate look at all the pitchers um see who's playing who and see where they're playing i i like to to check out lefties too I, I initially will just see okay who's a lefty and I'll go from there because some teams have a lot of success versus lefties and it's it's really a, an overwhelming amount of things so I'll try to abbreviate it um but like you said different types of of bets like I'll do first five inning bets right either first five money line run line over under then you have full game bets that I do you have your full game under over unders, your money lines, run lines. Um, I do some hitter props. I don't like to do total bases props. Um, if if I can find like over 0.5 hits, I like to do those if there's some good value. Um, pitcher props. I love to do strikeout props. Mostly mostly overs. I, I I've had some really bad luck with unders on strikeout props. It's just don't have a great feel for it. Um, last year I started doing some stolen base props. Um, it's, it's a lot of stuff like some no run first inning. Yes. Run first inning. Um, those are pretty popular on Twitter, but, um, I, I don't go crazy with them. Most of my bets are first five innings or some run lines. I I don't typically bet minus 1.5. Most of my run line bets will be plus one and a half rather than the minus one and a half. 
Gotcha. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Like if you had a, a, a number that like, you know, is kind of your threshold, like something you're not going to go past. Like you have a, a, a proper or a bet that you're interested in, you see, you find it. And then you look at the, the odds and, and what is like your threshold there of like, Oh, that's too much for me. Yeah. So I, I don't go past minus 180, and that's that's even steep for me. And a lot of people are like, well, that's, that's way too deep. But most people don't go past 135-ish. Um, if it is like something minus 180, I won't make it more than a one-unit play. And it's something that I'm absolutely sure of, you know? And obviously they miss sometimes. But those plays, if I play a minus 180, a lot of times my buddies will just parlay it with something else. Yep, but those those plays I'm usually pretty sure of, and I don't do any parlays. So if, if you're into parlays, I'm I'm not your guy. Um, I, I do mostly everything straight. Like if there's something that I really like, I'll do a two teamer. But I don't do any crazy long shot parlays or anything like that. And um, as far as like my process goes, I was just telling I was just telling you before we got on. I actually just organized my tabs on Google Chrome, but I have about it's about thirty tabs that stay open constantly year round. Like I have, I just put them into folders. So I have my strikeout props folder um, where I have something from a uh, team rankings.com. I have a uh, baseball savant open pitcher list, fan graphs. I have my offense tab, which is team offense, individual players. I have stuff from um, uh, fan graphs and um, baseball reference.com. I have my first five innings tab. I have just trends. I love this tab, actually. It has um, some teams who just get lucky and cover a ton. You know, it doesn't not necessarily luck, but I have my runs first inning, my stolen bases folder, defensive stats, bullpen stats, um, park factors, weather, and lineups. And then um, I have my sports books tabs or my, my folder. So those are all my different folders for for all my different resources that I use. And uh, my, my favorite resource that I spend most of my day on is Fangraphs, Pitcher List, Baseball Savant, and um, TeamRankings.com. Those are like the, the go-tos typically. That's a lot of variables, a lot of metrics. I mean, it, but it's, it's fantastic that, I mean, this is, hearing that is overwhelming to me. Like, I'm a fan of baseball, love it, but that's why like these little niche sectors of Twitter exist because like you're putting in the work, you're putting in the effort, you're giving things out like for free. Um, a lot of the times, like that's awesome. Like this is what, you know, makes me really enjoy Twitter is because like, I would never be able to do that. And, and even if I had that ability to like, look at all that stuff, I, I don't think I'd be able to put it all together um like you are doing and it's just crazy like that's awesome <laughs> to and, uh, hear yeah it, it's it's definitely hard it's it's a lot of stuff but um i'm still obviously adding to it and i'm sure it'd be easier if i just had like a set model but i um i'm too much of a fan to do that you know to have like a baseball model and and not knocking anybody who has models chris and ian make a ton of money with their models me it's just like with baseball being every day there a model is not going to fit a team who has been slumping for two weeks straight, you know? Mm -hmm. And so there's just, there's just way, like you said, there's, there's a lot of variables and 
And I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that I figured out the best way to do it. I mean, I'm going to have days where you're going to see me reverse sweeping 0 and 6 minus 6, 7 units on a day. Like, that's just going to happen. I'm going to be real. But I'm, I might turn around the next day and go 7 and 0, make that money back. But I, I, I try not to get too high or too low on any of that. Like, your bad days are going to happen. Um, something that I found when I am just ice cold, and I'm not a huge believer in being hot or cold. I mean, baseball is every day. Like I, I always say to people like rent is due every day. Like you're not like, yeah, you might be up a hundred units on the year. Doesn't care. Or like nobody cares on the next slate. Like if you, if you go zero and six on the next slate, that doesn't matter. You gotta, you gotta do it every day. So it's not like a, you're resting on your, uh, your laurels, I think is what people say. Um, but yeah, so when I am cold though, if I'm just having a stretch of just cannot hit myself out of a wet paper bag, I just go with money lines, just straight money lines, keep it simple, 50-50 plays, you know, and um, use my process through that and not try to get cute and try to get myself out of a little cold stretch, quote unquote. Makes a ton of sense. I mean, and you mentioned like the everyday thing, you know, that's a, a scenario where it is probably beneficial uh, in comparison to the golf or NASCAR or these like weekly sports, because like I had a, a bit of a rough day yesterday, I would say, and I got to wait a whole week to, to start like dissecting everything and, and getting out there and seeing the result where, you know, have a bad day, shake it off, get back mm-hmm. at it. So that's a positive to it. Um, but you know, the, the work is the, the work ethic is, is unmatched. Uh, just hearing everything you're saying, it's, it's truly unbelievable. Um, you mentioned, being a fan, like I wanted to ask you this to get going. Do you have a favorite team at this point, or is it just whoever is making you money? <laughs> no, no, I am a I'm a diehard Boston sports fan. So okay. some people some people will probably be clicking the pause and exit button after hearing that. But yeah, I, <laughs> I grew up a, a huge Boston sports fanatic. That's actually um, my my little pathway to this was just being obsessed with sports as as a little kid. As most people, I'm sure that are listening, were like this, and. Um, I got into doing fantasy sports, went crazy with that. Those turned into dynasty leagues um, that turned into betting on the games and that turned into where I'm at. And it's just like figuring out, it's like, this isn't really work for me. You know, I love looking at a slate of games and just knowing like I have an edge here because of all of the stats that I look at daily and because of the knowledge that I have. Whereas like some people could sit down at, um, a slot machine and just gamble that away. Like to me, this isn't, this isn't gambling. It's using my knowledge and my passion to make money, you know? hundred percent. I couldn't agree more with that. Um, you're, you're, you're making a, a very educated guess, but it, it's yeah. more so uh, directed with, with a lot of facts and, and, You know, if things don't go your way, you know, we talk about on the NASCAR betting preview show, like, were you, the bet may have not won, Mm -hmm. but you can still analyze it and say, were you correct in what you were doing? And if you can say yes, then, you know, you're on the right side of things, not worth beating yourself up. Um, Let's, let's talk about last year just briefly uh, because, you know, I'm obviously, I got my Phillies World Series going yep. on here. Um, you were phenomenal. Like once we, 
once we got connected on Twitter, like Nick would hit me up on the side, like in a DM saying like Philly's first five or, you know, over under Philly's over three and a half in the first five innings. Like, and they would always hit. I don't think you ever sent me a DM that didn't hit about like the Phillies. Yeah. I I always really appreciated that. That was so cool. I don't know if I ever, I think I, I sent you one loser in the playoffs. That was like it, but I (laughs) I don't think they're different. Yeah. And I was, I was actually just like, I have a little note here um, about my performance last year is my, my playoff record was horrible. I really should have just sat the playoffs out, but um, I I couldn't help myself. Um, But yeah, that was, that was fun. I was like, well, Phil is a Phillies fan. If I have a Phillies play that I absolutely love, I'm going to send it his way. And I, I like I, like you said, I don't think any of them lost except to, towards the end of the season. But um, last season, last season was a blast. My record, it might be overwhelming to hear, but it was 505 wins, 465 losses, 38 pushes, and that was plus 51.35 units. Wow! Um, and so Truly fantastic. It, it was it was a it was a fun year. It really was. I was treading water the first half, full disclosure. Um, but I hit Sandy Alcantara or Sandy Alcantara eighteen to one National League Cy Young. I hit Justin Verlander twelve to one American League Cy Young. Then I hit Julio Rodriguez six point five to one for American League Rookie of the Year. Wow! So those were those were a nice boost and um. My futures card was fun, although what did tank me quite a bit is I put five units on the Cardinals to miss the playoffs. And uh, wow. that was not great. <laughs> not great, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was, that was actually my preseason lock of the year was, was five units, and I don't do five-unit plays. My, my max play is three units, and if you see on Twitter, I'll post the lock of the day. No such thing as a lock in baseball. I was 21 and 14 on them last year. Um, the year before that, I was actually much better on them. This year was kind of a down year for the locks, but they are three unit plays. I don't do anything more than, than three units. So. Interesting. So the Cardinals, cause my question about 2022 is going to be kind of based around like the, the way the season played out for the teams in general, you know, was there a team that kind of surprised you? Obviously the Cardinals, um, if you're fading them and, and then, you know, winning their division, um, that was a bit of a surprise, I guess. Um, were you surprised at all? Like, and do you think that this is going to be a, a kind of similar trend? Like they expanded the playoffs a little bit. That's how the Phillies made it in. The Phillies went, got hot, w- went on a run um, from the seven spot. Um, do you think that that's an anomaly or do you think we're going to see more of that? Like as the seasons move forward here. Um, and I know that's kind of an impossible question that, answer but um it it just you know seems like the more they expand the playoffs like these teams are not like shitty teams they're yeah they're legitimate baseball teams and could easily go on a run but nobody was really giving them or um really the the padres any shot uh going into the the postseason so like did that take you by surprise or were you kind of like no, I'm, I could see that. Um, so, yes and no. So, I actually privately had a Phillies National League Champions ticket uh, last year. I didn't post it. I sent it to Chris preseason. I was like, man, the Phillies really bolstered their bullpen. 
they lost a ton. Like they blew a ton of saves in 2021. I really like what they did. I like the Cassiano signing, even though he kind of flopped, but um, I kind of just threw a unit on that. So that one, that one hit, that was great, but I didn't get to take credit for it since I didn't post it. Um, <laughs> the Padres were my national league champions pick. So like wow. my official national league champs pick. So that kind of hurt that I privately bet the Phillies, but publicly bet the Padres. And um, I, I was really, I was all in on the Padres last year. I thought that was the year that they had really been setting their franchise up for. And it kind of seems like it's going to all come together this year. So we, we could talk about later that um, I don't have an official world series pick this year. I don't have an official national league champs pick. I don't have an American league champs pick, not yet, at least um, nothing official, but a team that did surprise me was the Orioles. Obviously they surprised a lot of people last year. I had Orioles under 61 and a half wins, which is so low. Like that's how confident I was at them just being awful, but their new wall and left field just really, really improved their, their pitching staff. And they played outstanding defense. They were top five in just about every defensive defensive metric. Um, and Adley came up and just did wonders for their pitching staff. And, they were that that was exciting to watch, but there's definitely going to be some surprising teams. Like listening to the athletic podcast throughout the postseason, it's they just analyze it. Like, listen, guys, this is luck, and when it comes down to it, it's who gets hot at at the right time. Like the you see it every year. The best team, look, that Dodgers team was absolutely loaded, and they get eliminated by the little brother Padres. You know, and I've discussed this with people with my postseason bets and my futures. Um, These bets, it's not who is the better team. It's who can win a three-game series, who can win a five-game series, who can win a seven-game series. And when you look at that, you have your Phillies, you have Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola. Those are two outstanding arms as a one-two punch. As their third arm, they had Ranger Suarez, who got hot at the right time. When his stuff is working, everybody's just mashing the ball straight into the ground. And the Phillies' defense, not a very good defense, but they've picked it up and they figured it out when it mattered. Like, you listen to the Cassianos interview. He's like, yeah, all year I kind of just was not really putting in a ton of effort. But the playoffs, that's when I played good defense. That was kind of weird to hear, but it's <laughs> kind of true, you know? Yeah. It, it- the other thing, as you're talking about, like kind of recapping like the the season, when you're trying to make picks, I, I was looking at the the lines earlier today, and what was going through my mind, and I just want to see if you kind of feel like this is true or not, but like trying to make a pick right now is is super difficult, obviously. But what was going through my mind was trying to think about how many teams from a division would make the playoffs because if you look at what happened to the Dodgers, you look at what happened to the Braves. I feel like the advantage goes to the little brother team or the team that's below, you know, so if you've got three teams in a division like the NL East had last year, or, you know, the Dodgers and the the Padres, Mm -hmm. you see those guys like the Padres saw the, the Dodgers a million times. Philly saw the Braves a million times that opens the door for a quote unquote upset. So it's almost like you're trying to play these like chess pieces, like so far out, like who's going to make the playoffs. And then 
who could maybe, you know, because they know each other so well, steal a series. Yeah. Um, it's tough to do, but, you know, it feels like that is the recipe for, you know, moving mm-hmm. on. Last year, the I think it was the divisional rounds. It was Cleveland versus New York, Seattle versus Houston, um, Philadelphia versus Atlanta. Atlanta right? Yeah. Or was that? Yeah. And then the uh, Dodgers versus Padres. So I went and posted on Twitter all four underdogs for the series. And um, I had a bunch of people like in my comments are saying like, this is, this is stupid, dude. You're just like, this doesn't make any sense. And I, I just, I put in the, the post, like I'm not just randomly putting this. And I went two and two. And if you remember Seattle almost won just about every game in that series, they yeah. lost the first game to a Jordan Alvarez just killer off of, I, um, I don't know if Robbie Ray was the first game or whenever it was, but um, they're, like every game they were into, they lost an 18 inning game. Like everything was, was so close. And I just, I just looked at all those teams and how they matched up. And I was like, these, all these dogs could win. And if we go two and two, we're going to be, we're going to be green. And that, that's, that's what this is about. Yes. It's baseball, but it's also about making money too, you know, and the, Cleveland series I mean there was there was a point where Yankees fans the sky was falling they were like oh my gosh we're gonna lose to Cleveland and they had them on their toes too so it's the playoffs anything can happen like you said yeah well it's uh tough to pick you know World Series like you said but um let's get into some some conversation around season bets because there are you know we talked about it on the NASCAR side of things it's pretty straightforward with NASCAR. It's, you know, championship picks and then season win totals. Sometimes you get the the head to heads, but this season in NASCAR, there was not that many complete opposite. I mean, this is what happens when you get a, a sport that's been around on these sports books for a really long time. They get a lot of money um, coming in. There are a million different ways that we yep. can take this Nick. So, um, I, I'm going to try to guide us in a certain way. Like I'm, I'm going to play the, the, you know, naive kind of guy trying to, you know, get into this a little bit here. And, and I want you to steer me in the right direction. But for me outside of like, okay, who's going to win the world series as a fan, doesn't matter what fan your team of or what team you're a fan of. I go to win totals to start. Like that's, mm-hmm. That's also like my barometer of like, okay, this is who Vegas thinks is legitimate. What's the number? Do you think that that's a good number or not? Yes or no. And I only bet over. I would never bet under for a team that I care about. So is that a place that you start? Like, do you, do you get into the season win total bets at all? And, and what's your process there? That is actually the first thing I do as well is the, the teams. When the team props come out, I go crazy on a roster resource on fan graphs, look into um, the steamer projections, zips, um, the bat X. And there's one more that I'm totally blanking on, but there's all these different projection systems. Uh, you have your fan graphs projected war. And um, obviously all these projections don't mean a whole lot, but I really just dig into roster construction. How did they do last year? What were all these different, what, what did they stink at? How do they do in their off season to patch that up? Um, so yeah, it's and it's also just a good foundation to get yourself set up to do the other things. Like okay, I broke down all of these teams. I know 
all these players and have like a um, a read on how they're going to be for the season and just my opinions and whatnot. And so then after I do the team props, then I can get into the player props, can get into the awards and all of that and whatnot. So it feeds, yeah, it's, it's your starting point. It's your foundation mm-hmm. for then leading you down the path of, okay, now I can get into this prop. And because I've done my research on the win totals, I know where I'm going. I already have my gut feelings. I already have my, you know, uh, hypothesis on how the season should play out mm-hmm. um, as these teams are going to go over under. Uh, so I, you know, I have, um, I don't know. Do you mind if I throw some, some of the wind totals up here? This I'm getting yeah, this on yeah, draft things, if you don't mind, I'll add this. Anybody that's um, on YouTube watching this, but um, we got some, season win totals here and is there a team that kind of stands out like one thing that went to my mind was like i like to go to the the top team and the bottom team so Uh I, i would assume that that's the dodgers and the nationals i mean you mentioned how the orioles were were horrible last year with their win total 59 and a half for washington um, I mean, that's like historically bad, right? Like, yeah, and, is there a chance that they go under that? No, I, I, I actually like what Washington did this offseason. Yeah, they're not going to compete for anything, but 60 wins is, is a bit ridiculous. I don't I haven't clicked anything for Washington. There's there's a lot of teams that I just don't have a great feel for, you know, mm-hmm. um, so I just I just steer clear of it. And it's like. Most of these are minus 110 in that range, and I'm not going to sit on a minus 110 if, I'm, if I don't have a great feeling about it or anything to back it up. Um, yeah, Oakland is definitely – their line is probably 59.5 as well. That's 60.5, yeah. See, I don't think Oakland can win 60 games this year. They're, this might be the worst baseball team ever assembled in the history <laughs> of ever. It, it's so, so bad. It's like it's like the movie Major League where the owner is <laughs> trying to get them to move to I think it's Florida. So she just intentionally puts a terrible team. They're they're trying to move to Vegas. I don't think they have their lease renewed with the Coliseum. And the, the team wow. is a mess. All their prospects stink. That they, they're not top heavy. They're just it's a hot mess right now. And it kind of stinks because I've always liked Oakland. I mean, they're essentially the farm system for the rest of the MLB that like, because they just build good players and then give them away for, yeah. for what feels like next to nothing. Mm-hmm. So, so that the, the, the odds would agree with you there minus minus one twenty. but uh, <laughs> I mean, that is a, a good combination of reasons there to take the under in that one. Um, see, I was trying to see, we'll get to like the head to heads in just a second, but mm-hmm. the head to heads, like it would be nice to be able to kind of create your own, like uh, Oakland versus Washington. Yeah. Right? That, one that would, be, would be fun. Uh, yeah. They typically keep them like in the same division or, or whatnot, but um, how about the Dodgers? I mean, we'll, let's go to the the top of the board, 95. Um, they're, they're plus money to go over 95. Are they due for, you know, a little bit of aggression or are they still, the Dodgers. Yeah. So I'm not wild about the Dodgers actually this year. Last year I was on their over. I think their win total was like 99 last year. And I put two units or one or two units on them going over because they're they're just so good. But 
I kind of have it's not necessarily a hot take on the Dodgers, but it's it's kind of an interesting one. And if you're kind of out of the MLB world, this could be a little bit of an edge for you. There are odds for this somewhere, but I think the Dodgers, and it's not necessarily a secret. I think they're kind of just gearing up this season to just make a ridiculous offer to Shohei Otani this offseason because he's going to be a free agent. Um, they they lost Max Scherzer last year. They just I mean, they didn't re-sign him. They, they just lost Trey Turner. And they had this great batch of prospects um, led by Miguel Vargas. And um, Gavin Lux, obviously, he's out for the year. This was before this, but – it just seemed like they were kind of just given their prospects the keys because this Do- the Dodgers are just such a well-oiled machine of like they sign the big guys, they sign the bets, they sign the Freeman. But then they still have that bottom end of the salary cap filled out by all these different guys who contribute. And the Astros are the same way. And they have Mookie and then Freeman, and it's, it's pretty thin after that. They let go of Justin Turner. They got JD, but I think JD's kind of – on the decline, I mean, that's not necessarily a, a hot take or anything. I love J.D. Martinez, but um, I think that I think that this year is going to be down. They're, they're missing Walker Bueller. Uh, they're going to have Dustin May on a little bit of restriction, but I don't know if they'll be able to do that. It's just their, their pitching is the thinnest I think it's ever been. Lost Tyler Anderson, but they created him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's fantastic information, and, and I – you know, being outside the, you know, baseball world, I guess, um, compared to you, like that's, that's not something I've thought about going after Otani. So that's, uh, you know, good stuff. That's reason to take the under. Um, now I'm not, that's not me. Um, what's it like say, suggesting like, yeah, I bet that under, I just, that's just one of those teams I don't have a great feel for. So I'm not, I'm just not touching the Dodgers win total, you know? Totally understandable. Yeah, I'm. I'm not gonna coax a, uh, uh, you know, lock of the year yeah, from yeah. here. You know, lock it in. This is an official mm-hmm. Knicks pick. But um, just hearing that information, people can do what they want with it in mm-hmm. their their own minds. And like you know, for someone who might want to cheer against the Dodgers, that is all the reason to do it. And um, real quick, before we um, before we keep going with more of these team win totals just something like for anybody who does want to make their their own bets for this and just be creative and do your own thing a small little thing i have added to this kind of year-long formula for team totals is there is a schedule realignment this year um for any of you guys who don't know in the past divisional opponents played each other 19 times each so like the red sox played the yankees 19 times last 19 times last year um this year, I believe it's down to 13. I could be wrong on that. I, I think it's 13. So the central divisions, I'm, if anything, on unders for those teams because the American League Central and the National League Central are so weak. They're going to be playing all every team in baseball this year. They're not going to get to play those bottom teams so often, you know. So that's something to think about. And then also – Another thing is defensive metrics. It doesn't seem like you would put it into any kind of equation for making these team bets. But if you go to Baseball Savant, you can look at outs above average. And then there's a website called fieldingbible.com. It's one of my favorite sites. You can find 
team defensive runs saved. So you have defensive runs saved, which DRS, and then outs above average. That's OAA. And um, Phil, would you want to – could I give you three guesses? Play a little game here real quick. Could sure. I give you three guesses to think of the number one team in outs above average last year? Outs above average. Um, man, I'm going to guess because we're playing this game. It's not somebody that we're, <laughs> we would uh, think. So um, I- I'm going to go with the Marlins. No, the Marlins were 12th. Okay. All right. Um, let's see. Maybe Seattle? Nope. Seattle was 15th. Oh boy. I don't know. I'm I'm making an ass of myself. <laughs> uh all right, so I got one more guess. I mean, I'll I'll take the Phillies. I don't know. The Phillies <laughs> were 29th. Uh, yeah, I didn't think they were good, <laughs> but but it was kind of I felt like I was being led in that direction. So, so actually, the ahead. Phillies the Phillies had minus thirty four outs above average. The only team worse than them was Washington at minus fifty one. So that was crazy. But the That's Arizona wild. Diamondbacks had forty six outs above average. The team that was second had thirty six was Houston. Holy shit! So that one that was that was kind of interesting. So I'm on the Diamondbacks win total over this year. I think it's 73 and a half, 74 and a half. Can't remember, but I have, I have one unit on the Diamondbacks win total over. I'm scrolling here. Let me find them. Playing good defense, it builds confidence in your pitching staff. They can pitch to contact more. And when you have guys that do pitch to contact, like um, some of their pitching staff, that, that makes a huge difference. And I know there's no uh, – confidence meter on any of these websites but again that's just one of these things that goes into handicapping these games is how how is the dugout and like the culture of a team you know and what kind of a t- i'm assuming they didn't have much turnover then if if we're we're basing you know part of the the construction of uh the pick here for the win total over on that we were assuming they would be a, a, at a similar clip this year um, what's their, their turnover rate on their roster? Like I'm assuming it's pretty similar then. So, um, they're actually, so let me, let me pull 2022 up real quick. They're getting one of the most exciting prospects in baseball and Corbin Carroll, he's going to be up for most of the year. Um, they just sent down one of their top pitching prospects in Brandon fought, which who I'm excited for, but the diamondbacks last year, they won 74 games. And I got their win total at, I think, 74 and a half, which I'd have to find it. And I guess it's, what is it, um, DraftKings, 75 and a half? Yeah. Um, so I would still probably take the over on 75 and a half. But like I said, they won 74 games last year. They're getting Corbin Carroll up. Um, their, <clears throat> their defensive metrics were outstanding. And their schedule is getting way easier. They're going to play – the Dodgers six less times. They're going to play the Padres six less times. And yeah, you'd say, oh, well, they're not going to play the Rockies as much too. Playing in Coors Field is not, is, is a total crapshoot. There's no guarantee that you're going to win in Coors Field. Cor- um, the Rockies always have a very good record at home. So I am sold on this. This <laughs> is fantastic uh, analysis. And the exact reason why I was looking forward to talking with you like that, the, the, what goes into landing on them 
that's exactly the kind of stuff I was uh, hoping to to hear. So that's great. Diamondbacks, I, I've actually seen for whatever reason. I don't know if like the, the gambling gods were, were kind of out there, but my social media feed has just been like flooded with like Diamondbacks, like social huh. media shit. So uh, like them doing like fun quirky stuff like yeah uh so hey uh, i'm <laughs> being told diamondbacks a number of different ways here so i like <laughs> it. um yeah good stuff how about the before we i mean we have a number of different things here we could touch on um and i don't want to take too much of your time because you have a new yeah. baby no but, I'm, I'm good um, to go he's he's out <laughs> <laughs> the the uh thing i just noticed as we were scrolling here it said the best record in baseball here uh, over 105 and a half wins were under 105. So you're basically betting that no team would get that. If you take the under, is that a ridiculous bet um, to, to even entertain because it's just so hard to predict like who's yeah, going to be hot so because I personally won't be betting that over or under, but I would kind of lean the under on that. I don't, like last year, that was, I would have probably bet the over on that because of the Dodgers. I mean, it's one of the best teams ever assembled last year, and uh, the Astros hit the over on that. Was it one and a half, one one hundred five point five? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I just don't think there's a there's one juggernaut this year. I would lean the under on that. Yeah, it just I, seems like not going to be strange. It seems like a strange number because like where my mind was going is like, okay, let's look at what Houston's is. Let's look at what the Dodgers are. Let's look at the Yankees Mm -hmm. and they're all like 95 or, you know, you see the Yankees 93 right there. Um, So that's, that's 10 more wins for the best teams in baseball. According to Vegas, Uh, that just seems like a, a strange selection for their number. Um, So uh, that's where I was like, maybe, maybe that's, yeah, that one, like I said, I wouldn't be playing that one, but if I did, I would be on the under for that for sure. Cool. So how about a, another area? I'll let you kind of steer me. I mean, there's okay. there's a, a bunch of different types. Like I was saying, uh, anybody that's watching this, like I could click on any of these tabs here. I mean, things that I was looking into myself were the win totals head to head. I play that um, with the Phillies as well. Last year, they had a, a spread against the Pirates. They were like minus 21 and a half against the Pirates. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> I think they still hit that. Um, so anything in that field or, or we've got like season series uh, yeah. for the year. So I, I found those pretty interesting. I've seen the season series ones. Um, no, but I'm not, I'm not playing any of these just as far as the team ones. I have um, two favorite plays or I guess I'll go with three. My lock of the year, my three unit play for the year is the Tampa Bay Rays or Tam- Tampa Bay Rays over 88.5 wins wow. that is that is my my max play of the year and then i have two oh, units on the marlins over 67.5 wins and i could talk for i could do an entire podcast on the marlins this year i'm, I'm very excited for them and this isn't like me saying yeah the marlins are gonna make the playoffs and win the world series come up 67 and a half wins so um and then i actually have you're not gonna like this one phil i apologize I have Braves National League East champions at plus 130. They're plus 125 now on uh, on most places, but yeah. That's fine. I mean, to be honest with you, I 
that doesn't bother me whatsoever. Um, seeing what we saw last year, like you don't have to win your division to yeah. to make an impact in the postseason. Mm-hmm. But um, I, to be honest, I was looking at they have a a thing that's selecting uh, the division straight. So who's going to finish one, two, and three? Yeah, and I was thrown in like you know it was I had the Braves, Phillies, and Marlins actually. Uh, okay. like one, two, three, you're getting a good clip there. Um, I know I don't have it up on the screen this second cause it's kind of tough to find, but, um, yeah, like those types of bets, uh, kind of interesting to, to see. I, it's funny that you mentioned the Marlins. So what was their number? You said, did you say their number was 67? 67.5. I don't know. I mean, if that's, it's... that's craziness. They're, they're not that bad. That that's, that's what seven wins better than the, oh, wait, the Nationals. Say, I'm so. Did I? I said sixty-seven point five, right? Yes. I don't know why I said sixty-seven point five. Seventy-five point five. Seventy-five point five. Yeah, I must have a typo here. I do. That's definitely a typo. Yeah, seventy-five point five. So they didn't hit that last year. Last year they won uh, sixty-nine games, but I am. I have a, a whole book on the Marlins basically this year, getting to. I said 75.5. Now I'm all thrown off on my, my notes here. Cause I made a little typo there. <laughs> Let's so, use that now. But I mean, I don't hate that pick either. Like if I'm kind of just putting, you know, Phantom aside, like the Marlins mm-hmm. have been pesky, at least for the Phillies for years. And they have this weird thing where like, you know, they kind of disappear for a little while. And then when they, come alive they come alive in a big way like they they won world series um so i can see the marlins doing something i mean they've they've got alcantara and you know we we just lost gene segura he's he's going down there he's Mm -hmm. a solid player um a good locker room guy for a team like that um who really their fan base doesn't really have any real expectation which i think is kind of a positive thing um when you're a team like that so I could see the Marlins and being I have, somebody. This is a, a spoiler for later if we if we talk about awards, but their their number two pitcher, and some wouldn't even say he's their number two, maybe number three, but Jesus Lazardo is one of my Cy Young picks for the National League. Seventy five to one, Jesus Lazardo to win the National League Cy Young. I am in love with Jesus Lazardo. Their rotation is loaded. They have Sandy, who was a unanimous National League Cy Young award winner. Um, Edward Cabrera, which I celebrate weekly, hashtag King Eddie Day is what I nicknamed him <laughs> as King Eddie. Uh, Trevor Ro- uh, Trevor Rogers, who was bad last year, but in 2021 was outstanding, and um, things are things are not going to be as bad in 2023 for Trevor Rogers. They signed Johnny Cueto. They have Braxton Garrett as their potential injury guy to come up because they have had a lot of injury problems in their rotation. Yuri Perez is a top pitching prospect they have. And I don't know if you remember Sixto Sanchez, but he still exists um, from that 2020 oh. playoff run. Sixto has been getting into shape. Um, there have been Sixto sightings lately. So he could potentially come out of the bullpen and contribute to that team this year. I very much remember Sixto, Sixto Sanchez because uh, he was either like traded from the Phillies or yes, he, was he was a something. Phillies prospect. Yeah, for, he was a Phillies prospect um, and, and, all the radio would talk about for months. I believe that was the Real Muto trade. Okay. Yeah. Maybe that was Real Muto. And then he came out. Yeah. So when Real Muto was a 
Philly, that was his like breakout season. Um, yeah. So six dope, if he's in shape, that lineup is going to be tough. And um, that's making me thankful that uh, they're not facing the divisional yeah. teams as many. That, that's another thing is they I have written down here is like 57 of their games last year was against Atlanta, Philadelphia, and New York Mets. Now this year it's just going to be 39. Yeah, that's that's pretty crazy um, to to think about. I mean, I wasn't really aware of that um, at all, actually. I uh, was looking at the schedule earlier and uh, didn't put that together. I was just more so saying to myself, like, man, the Phillies aren't playing any divisional games for like the first yeah. month and a half. And then all of a sudden it's boom, division, division, division. So mm-hmm. I, I was not putting it together. That they're playing less uh, overall. So that's pretty, uh, pretty interesting. Um, here's one fewest wins. You took Oakland. So you got, how about this? This is kind of your head to head, right? Um, fewest regular season wins rather than taking the under in the Oakland season yeah. win total. What about just plus three thirty for Oakland? Saying, I've been thinking about it. And I don't know why Washington has, um, is plus two fifty and Oakland is plus three thirty. Oakland is so much worse than, than Washington and Washington kind of has an okay bullpen. They have some solid arms and um, they're, Pitching is not good. They're starting pitching, but like they, they've been loading up on top end prospects that a lot of them are ready to be up. Like the they got a king's ransom for Juan Soto, um, mm-hmm. for they traded Scherzer, they traded uh, Trey Turner, so they have a lot of these prospects who are ready to go and ready to contribute. So that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I I might actually play Oakland. I might add that to my card. Is <laughs> the Oakland to have the fewest regular season wins? Yeah, plus three thirty is a you know, definitely more juicy. I mean, if we think that they're going to be under fifty nine or whatever they were, um, might be tougher for some of these other teams to to hit that number. So, um, yeah, I would definitely be all in on that. Um, I'm struggling to kind of find my way through here on the UI of the website to try to pull up some mm-hmm. of the the picks that um, I wanted to bring up, but. Um, that's just because there are so damn many of them. So how about to, to make the playoffs? Did you have anything in this category? You know, you mentioned a team like the Marlins, like, you know, are they going to surprise some people and sneak in, or is there somebody, you know, in a different division that you kind of have your eyes on um, maybe stealing it like the central, right? That's a, in both leagues, like you mentioned, it's a shit show constantly. Yeah. Is there a team that might surprise some people there to, to make the playoffs at a, at a good number here? Because, my mind goes to, you know, what's the plus money yeah. um, that I, I don't like these minus five fifties and no, you know, no, for the no, Phillies, like, you know, I'm not trying to make this a, a full Phillies podcast here, yeah. but like, you know, I, I go to look at that number and it's minus something I believe and and yeah, minus one thirty five, And I think that's sketch. So, um, so where's your mind go for this? DraftKings actually has a better number than I got on uh, Tampa. Tampa to make the playoffs. I have yes at minus 165. So that one's on DraftKings minus 155. I have a unit on Tampa making the playoffs. I, I'm in love with Tampa this year. Uh, so I'm all in on them. And to make the playoffs, and these odds have changed a little bit. And I, I didn't mention this earlier, but I got the Twins when these odds came out to win the American League Central at plus 300. I have a half unit on the Twins to win the AL Central. 
Um, I think the Twins had an awesome offseason. They, they struggled a lot with injuries last year. Um, they're actually sixth in American League team war projections. They traded for Pablo Lopez. They needed another arm. Um, like I said, they had horrible injury luck last year. They traded for Tyler Molly. He's going to be out of Great American Ballpark. Finally has a normal baseball park to pitch in. Um, they have a solid bullpen. And they they just made some really small upgrades to their roster this offseason. And obviously they re-signed Carlos Correa. And um, I, I just think it's a really winnable division. Cleveland overperformed last year by a lot. And I'm, I'm not sold on Cleveland's rotation. The White Sox, I'm kind of just done with. They, they None of them can stay healthy. Um, they've had a lot of problems out of their control, too. Like uh, Liam Hendricks has lymphoma, which is awful. Um, he's a superstar closer. and oh, It's horrible. They're going to struggle closing out games this year. Um, and then you have uh, Mike Clevenger, who he just got cleared in this case, but there was some um, domestic abuse cases looming over him. And it's just really bad vibes from Chicago um, again this year. So that's why I'm on the Twins. And, and it was plus 300. I don't think it's plus 300 anymore. Wherever you can find the best number on that, I would I would throw a half unit on that. But nothing crazy. Like if it's plus 150 somewhere, I wouldn't be touching that. So on DraftKings, yeah, 215, I would, I would take it. 215, Twins to win the AL Central. Yeah, I mean, the the – place my mind goes is we were just on the previous screen of to make the playoffs and i'd have to imagine that in order for any of these teams to make the playoffs they have going to have to win the division so why take plus 115 on the other screen Mm -hmm. this is this is the way that they're going to get there so um yeah that's that's stuff. that's exactly why i'm on that play it's like there's not going to be a wild card team coming out of either central division i don't think uh so that's why i was just like all right, if they're going to make the playoffs, they have to win the division. So that's that's how I'm playing that. Awesome. Um, how about some more proppy stuff? I don't know if you, you dip into this very often, uh, but things like last undefeated team. I mean, uh, let's see, last team to win, uh, team to start 5-0, and anything in that like realm. And, and I don't even – I was just writing those notes down from earlier. I mean – I'd have to find them here on the screen, but do you get into any of that stuff or are you like, ah, that's, that's, that's for the birds. I typically don't, but excuse me. I was, I was bored one day, just, (laughs) I had my team card done and I had been digging into all these teams. I was like, well, these odds just kind of got posted. So I'll kind of look into some things. And I actually did click one and it's, it's plus nine fifty on the book I use. And um, so it's, it's first to 10 wins. So if first you could to find 10 wins. Yeah. First. Okay. Race to 10 wins. Here it is. Yep. So let's see. Okay. So yeah, they're, they're plus 900 on DraftKings. So they're plus 950 on my book. They're eight to one on other books, but it's Tampa Bay race. Brought them up a lot. Uh, Tampa's opening schedule. Are you ready for this, Phil? I'm ready. I am ready. They play three games at Tropicana versus the Detroit Tigers. Okay. They go to Washington, D.C. for a three-game series to play the Nationals. They go back to the Trop to play a three-game series versus the Oakland Athletics. Holy mackerel. And then they stay in the Trop and they play the Red Sox, who they were 12-7 and seven against last year. And then if they don't get it done in those that stretch of games, they go to Toronto, who they also had a winning record against last year. They were 10-8 and eight against. Uh, so I have, I have a half unit on 
Tampa to win the race to 10 wins. And that's, that's a bet I'm really excited about. It's just a, a quick 10 game or 15 game sweat and it could pay out pretty early in the season. So I'm all in on Tampa. They have that schedule. It just makes way too much sense. I am so pumped about this because when I was looking <laughs> at this earlier, I was like, like, damn, how, this is, this is a tough bet to try to analyze because you'd have to do exactly what you just did lay out mm-hmm. who the teams are playing and you're going to have to catch a team that's getting lucky and playing against, you know, some teams from last year who were terrible. And there it is. Like <laughs> there it is right yep. there. That schedule is very, very doable. So uh, nine to one is, is damn good. I think I'll, yeah. I'll be tailing I mean, that one that's, as well. That's better than you can get some teams to win the world series and you can get it in potentially <laughs> 10, 11, 12 days. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I like that a lot. Um, fantastic. That schedule is just a cakewalk. Yeah. <laughs> who, and it's a great team. Become it's not allowed. even like, it's not even like we're talking about, I don't know, the angels playing that schedule, it's the Rays. Yeah, I mean, it's a good they, team. They, they win games. That's like, they don't care about having the sexiest players. It's just, how do we get outs? How do we get runs? It's like the, the standard money ball formula. You know, they, they don't value the big shiny things. They value scoring runs, getting outs and winning games. I like that. Um, I'm going to throw one out here to you and then kind of, see i mean the answer might be no you haven't really looked into this mm-hmm. um very much but uh one bet that i found interesting if i can find it on here uh was the the team futures uh it's the regular season series um so i, I think i mentioned it a little bit ago and the thing that i i went to was Again, I'm going to use the Phillies as a barometer here, but I'm, I'm opening up to you to see if there's anything else like this out there. Against the Braves, the Braves mm-hmm. were minus 140. Phillies were plus money uh, in the season win total matchup against each other, the season series. Um, the Phillies against the Braves over the past like two and a half years, going in, I think it was like going into the last month of the season last year they were like 28 and 28 like they were just straight up uh, you know tied going into the last month of the last season and then obviously the Phillies beat them in the playoffs um so the the books would make it seem like you know that's a lot because the Braves are, are the big dogs in the division but they are they play each other very tight and it's it's whoever's home really wins that three game stretch or four game stretch um so a is that a bad bet? B, do you know of anything else like that? Where like in the the league, there are two teams who are, you know, tight playing against each other. Um, and we might be able to see some value out there. Or, you know, like I said, you might not have looked into that and uh, you might not know the answer. So that's an interesting one. And I use baseballreference.com for these matchups. And you can use teamrankings.com too. But you can see their head-to-head schedules. And I'm, I'm trying to pull up the Braves and the Phillies from last year, but I'm having a hard time finding it kind of on the spot. But, um, but yeah, these are, these are definitely handicappable, I guess is the word I'll use. But like earlier today, I was digging into some of these things. So it's kind of funny you bring it up. The, I think the Red Sox were like two and 17 versus the Blue Jays last year. And the run differential was like in the seventies. It was insane. 
I have to look it up to um, see it again, but it, it was absolutely insane. So that is, that is something that you can, you can find. But okay. Let's see. Yeah. This is what I was talking about there. 170 minus 170 for the Braves. I just feel like, you know, in a situation like that, that's uh, not a lock as minus 170 would yeah. lead you to believe um, on the, on. So, you said it was the Red Sox versus the Blue Jays. Let's see if I can yeah, find if those guys are available here. I'd like to see what, here. what that matchup is. Okay, let's see if we got here. We go. Red Sox are plus one sixty five. Blue Jays are minus two hundred. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so so Toronto was they won. So yeah, the Red Sox. I have it here. The Red Sox won three games. Toronto won sixteen. And, That's crazy. Um, Boston allowed 125 runs and just scored 55 versus Toronto. So that was a bloodbath of a season. So they are definitely reacting to that. <laughs> With a minus yes, 200 yes. I wouldn't touch that one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what you're saying is there are definitely opportunities out there to try to find those types of uh, yeah. value. The, the, the flip side is I would say, you know, uh, Miami versus teams like the, the Phillies. Um, if that exists out there, I mean, they play the Phillies tough every year. It seems like um, I think last year was the first time they Phillies won the season series in forever. So it's just something about, you know, these teams have like little bugaboos with, you yeah. know, certain teams and um, there could be opportunity there. Cause I would imagine the Marlins would be, you know, plus money and, and matchups against the, the three bigger teams. <laughs> So yeah, that one that's definitely interesting. I haven't dug into any of those, but but yeah. Cool. So we'll we'll round it out here uh with some player props. Do you get into any of these at all? Like home run leaders, or for me, I was looking at um home run head to heads. And I took a couple of these last year. I, I didn't mm -hmm. uh I think I went I didn't make money. I went like one and two uh on the head to heads there. Is this something that you dabble in at all? So I don't do any head-to-head -head ones, but I do go crazy in the player prop market. Last year, uh, um, I think last year I was nine and two on my player props, and it was wow. plus eleven units, something like that. The only two I missed, I missed Michael Brantley batting average over three hundred, I think, and he finished. He got injured, was out for the year at two ninety-eight, oh and then I lost Luis Robert over like 80 something RBIs and he was outstanding when he played, but, but he was hurt, but I hit all the other ones. So I have a big player props card this year. I think I have about 15 plays on it. And uh, my favorite one is not available anymore on any book. I don't think, but it was Carlos Rodon under 225 and a half strikeouts. That's my three unit player prop of the year. Um, but my favorite one is still there. It's, it's on Bavada. And um, this is my American League MVP pick, as I have two units. I might make it three units on Corey Seager over 275 batting average. So over 275 average, Corey Seager. Wow. Okay. So batting average. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if I have that on. Uh, I don't know if they have. No, they don't have it. DraftKings. That's phenomenal. So Corey Seager over what was it? Two what? 275. 275. And I again, I could do a whole podcast on Corey Seager and the Marlins. Like I have a crazy amount of, of stats that I have written up about Corey Seager, but, um, but yeah, and I won't, I won't do the whole spiel, but 
His um, he had a 283 expected batting average last year. His expected batting average for his career is 293. He has a 287 career average, and um, since 2020, he has lost 58 hits due to the shift. That's first in Major League Baseball by a lot. Um, he's been he was shifted against in 93% of his at bats in 2022. And if those of you don't know, there are shift restrictions this year. There's not a shift ban, but there have to be there has to be two infielders on each side of the infield, and they cannot be on the outfield grass when the ball is thrown. So, um, and then he, this is from, I think it's called Random Baseball Stats. It's Jeremy Frank on Twitter, but uh, 90 outs of Corey Seager's were made on grounders or line drives to the three-man side of the infield in 2022. That was first in baseball. So, um, wow. Holy cow. yeah, I, I'm all in on Corey Seager this year. That is super interesting. I mean, it looks like if anybody um, with like DraftKings or I guess we'd have to find uh, a book out there that offers the batting average one, but mm-hmm. like a number of hits. I don't know if that correlates um, directly with batting average. Probably not apples to apples, but it's um, a little. Sorry, if you're on if you're on Corey Seager, you know maybe this is something else that you're you're interested in. So the counting stats are a little different because in the instance that Corey Seager does get hurt halfway through the year, mm. he's not cashing that hits prop. Phenomenal but point. if he does get hurt and finishes the season batting 290, they'll still cash yeah. your ticket. There you go. See, that's the kind of direction that I'm looking for, Nick. That's phenomenal. And, and that's kind of where I was going to go when I was going to break down like my head to head philosophy. Mm-hmm. Like last year I took, um, one of the ones I missed was Vlad Jr. versus Pete Alonzo. And okay. Pete won that uh, pretty much going away. I don't think Vlad really – I think he had like a three-home run game or something early in the season, and then like Pete <laughs> caught him and never looked back. My thought process was Pete Alonzo is due to get hurt. Like So, yeah. so I was taking guys that I assumed – I was betting against guys mm-hmm. that I assumed were due for injury um, or, or, you know, they're the way that they play just kind of lends itself to, to that. And, you know, it didn't really work out for me, but that exact point, what you just made is my thought process there. Um, so I don't know if that's worth, you know, two pennies, but um, I was looking at, Juan Soto versus Ronald Acuna Jr. And I liked Juan Soto in this matchup kind of because Ronald just, I don't know, he hasn't really been healthy uh, forever. And Soto is, is just a freak. So um, that's, that's where my mind was going, like stuff like that. And, and if you think that that's silly, I will, you know, bail on that whole mentality. No, those are, those are, those are cool props too but um yeah so actually Juan Soto has an oblique injury just came out yesterday so that kind of stinks a lot I'm really excited for San Diego I have two units on their win over this year but um that one above it is kind of crazy Juan Soto versus Matt Chapman home runs I'm not a Matt Chapman guy I I would I would definitely like that Juan Soto one and then I saw above you have Juan Soto over George Springer I mean George Springer is a guy who I can't remember the last time he played more than 120 games and he's getting Perfect. older too, but th- those aren't official plays or anything. But 
those yeah. are the type of things like you're talking about you want to talk about injuries i mean find byron buckton's prop and just whatever it is <laughs> hit the under i mean that dude hasn't the under. he hasn't played 100 games since like 2017 i think there you go yeah his name um, he was just on one of these uh might have been the hits um so yeah under on him would be a, a good <laughs> yeah whatever whatever it is sprinkle something on that i mean injuries to be honest like that's that's really similar in, in most sports, right? Like football, mm-hmm. kind of a, a similar thing. Like what team can be the most healthy? I, I honestly feel like that's why the Phillies were, were good last year because their big horses were able to stay healthy for the mm-hmm. whole year, essentially. I'm not talking about Harper, yeah. but the, the pitching staff. Um, and so sometimes you just get unlucky. Like, you know, if, if that oblique injury for Soto turns out to be a, a big deal and it lingers or, you know, the, the pitching staff – of the Marlins that we were just um, yeah. pumping their tires, like a couple of those guys go down, it changes the whole complexity of the season. Mm-hmm. So um, you're, you're really, you know, banking on the, the healthiness of um, these guys when you're taking the, the season bets, that's for sure. Um, how about awards? You, you mentioned uh, a couple already. So uh, you actually, no, you mentioned how you hit uh, a couple and you had, Lazardo as your your long shot 75 to 1 for Cy yeah. Young in the NL. Um how so rookie of the year was mm-hmm. one that my brother-in-law and I were like like he he was digging into that last year and he was like yeah the, these are the guys we're going to go with and it just seems like so difficult at this point in the year. So my question to you isn't exactly like if you have somebody you're into great but my overall question is like do you wait a little bit like, and, and you know, see kind of how the first month or so of the season pans out and still get a guy at a decent clip? Or do you feel like you're missing out um, if you don't take them now? You know what I mean? If that question makes sense. Yes and no. Like, so <clears throat> last year, I mean, off the top of my head, I don't even think there were odds for Michael Harris and Spencer Strider for a National League rookie of the year, you know? So that's just mm-hmm. an example for that. But like J Rod, I got him at um, six point five to one, so plus six fifty. The day before I got him, he was he was seven to one. Like a week after I got him, he had dropped down to like four or five to one because there was a lot more steam coming that he was going to make the big league club. And one thing that goes into that is if you remember the baseball lockout, one of the big things that the players were holding out for was the team control on players and they made some incentives to having rookies on your opening day roster. So Mm. the Seattle Mariners, they actually get an extra draft pick since J rod was on their opening day roster and um, one rookie of the year. I think if you finish like top portion of rookie of the year voting with a rookie that you started up at the beginning of the season, you get draft compensation for that. So a lot of these teams are going to be putting out their stud prospects at the beginning of the year. Whereas the Cubs or the Cubs back in whenever Chris Bryant came up, you remember there was a big stink about him being held back a month because of team control. So that's not going to be a thing anymore too much. Interesting. Yeah. So one guy that his odds have changed for national league rookie of the year. So Jordan Walker is my national league rookie. One of my national league rookie of the year picks. I got him at nine to one last month. He's wow. five. He's five to one now. I don't. 
I would still take it because I, I do think he's going to win the award. Um, but he is he is the closest thing to this year's Julio Rodriguez. I mean, he's he's a 20-year-old man. I mean, he's just <laughs> a big leaguer, if that makes sense. Yeah. He, he has all the intangibles. The Cardinals love him. If you remember the Juan Soto sweepstakes um, in the middle of the season, the Cardinals were one of the teams that were all in on Juan Soto, and they were like, yeah, but you can't have Jordan Walker. So Interesting. Okay. He is um he's gonna be their guy and they're they're very crowded. They have Lars Newtbar, they have um Dylan Carlson, they have Tyler O'Neill, they have Alec Burleson. And um they it's just it's a kind of a crowded outfield, but they're going to make room for Jordan Walker to play. And he is a third base prospect, by the way, but he's not gonna be playing third base as long as <laughs> Nolan Arenado <Yeah>. exists. <laughs> so um, So where would they have him? He's gonna be playing outfield, and that's that's kind of their last checkbox or box to check in spring training is they kind of said in all these different things with beat reporters are like, yeah, the bat is there. He's, he's ready to hit big league pitching. We just want to see how he plays in the outfield. So, and uh, there's not been any news otherwise that he's doing great. And it seems like he's going to make the club. And even if he doesn't make the club out, out of the gate, injuries happen and he'll be up. And maybe the odds will change. I would scoop it up if they drop after he doesn't make the club, but I think he will. So, yeah, that's that's one that you know five to one. You're thinking like, well, you're almost kind of hoping like don't make the club so that way it does yeah, drop right? a little bit and you scoop him like you said. But um, yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, with with rookies, I I don't have any inkling as to to who would be somebody worth taking. Mm-hmm. So that's fantastic. Um, and it looks like your guy Corbin over here is already Corbin Carroll. Yeah, <laughs> he's uh, yeah. he's already getting some love. See, that's like I don't really touch anything around that area. Like Gunnar Henderson is is plus two twenty five to win the American League Rookie of the Year. That's just stupid. <laughs> it like and, uh, yeah, and like where's the fun in that, right? Like, right. Yeah. You cash that ticket. It's like not even that. You know, you, you if you're hitting a long bet like this, it mm-hmm. better be for a good clip. Yeah, like my I'll just go ahead and say it. My my two I have two picks for each award. My two National League picks are Jordan Walker, six to one, and Miguel Vargas on the Dodgers, uh, at six to one. So Jordan Walker nine to one, but Miguel Vargas at six to one. I was mentioning Miguel Vargas earlier with the Dodgers. They're kind of giving him the keys. Uh Gavin Lux's injury has opened up a spot. Like he's gonna play every day. Um, my American League rookie of the year picks are Tristan Casas at nine to one of the Boston Red Sox and Logan Ohapi fifteen to one of the LA Angels. Logan Ohapi. He's a catching very well. Oh yeah, yeah. Ex Philly prospect. That's right for Brandon Marsh. Yes, they traded him for Marsh. Yeah. And a lot of people uh I mean he he was like the guy, but mm-hmm. it was like you know, we've got JT. So what, yeah, what are we gonna do with him? Um, but a lot of people were sad to see him go. Uh, so yeah, that's a, that would actually, well, we have JT, so I'm not going to yeah. be too bad. I like Brandon it. Marsh. I, I kind of thought it was stupid that the angels traded Brandon Marsh, but I really like a hoppy. So that's, that could probably go down as a trade. That was a wash. It's like, yeah, both teams benefited from that. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. I, I did not even think about him until you just brought it up, but I <laughs> guess, you know, he's, he's going to be, uh, 
making the big league club, huh? Yeah, and he is he is Shohei Otani's designated catcher for the year. Holy mackerel! Yeah, All so right. he's he's gonna be up he's there in a true stud. They got no anything from their catching last year that that catching position was atrocious for Los Angeles last year. So I'm all in on those two guys. I like that. That's for the rookie of the years. And now those are more steep than any of the others. I, I typically don't go below 10 to one on these awards, but rookies, yeah. it's a little bit different. Yeah. Awesome. Um, any other awards that you're leaning on? Any yeah. I can pick that you want to talk on. I can run through my my awards card and i won't spend forever talking about them i'll just if you if there's a name that pops out i'll talk about them but um but i'll just run down so for american league cy young i have christian javier 25 to 1 and i have mm-hmm. jeffrey springs 200 to 1 wow <laughs> all right so you gotta oh okay he's on the raise all right yep uh if you if you're not sure who Jeffrey Springs is, just go visit his baseball savant page, and uh, you'll you'll find out very shortly who Jeffrey Springs is. Um, so those are my those are my American League Cy Young picks. My National League Cy Young picks are Jesus Suzardo, seventy five to one of the Miami Marlins, and Dustin May, a hundred to one of the Los Angeles Dodgers. They need him to step up this year. Um, like I said, their pitching is banged up. He's got to be the guy. So he's seventy to one on DraftKings. Obviously, I would I wouldn't be scared of that. I would definitely still take it there. And I don't even know if I see Hayes Cesardo on DraftKings. I'm not, I'm not seeing him on here. And and uh, Springs was not an option either on the other side. So you're you're going off the the book here. Um, yeah. So those are fantastic. Those, you got to keep your eyes peeled for when they hit. Those odds are both on Bavada, and I think they have them on bet us as well so then my american league mvp my two picks for that is kyle tucker 33 to 1 of the houston astros and Corey seager 40 to 1 of the texas rangers then my national league mvp picks both of these might surprise you these are these are two uh, very controversial players polarizing i guess you could say um i have fernando tatis jr 10 to 1 I actually got him 16 to one in the off season. So I have two, I have two tickets on him and then jazz Chisholm 70 to one cover boy. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> on the I'm show. all aboard the jazz train. So that's my, that's my awards card. I hit three last year. I think we only need to hit two or, or one. I mean, if Jeffrey Springs hits, then we're set, <laughs> you know, pace for the year. Yeah. I sent, I sent the whole card to the group chat and then my buddy, John, like the last pick I sent was Jeffrey Springs. And he was like, thank you, Nick. That's what we needed. 200 to one. That's what I want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll be, I will be waiting for that to, to come available um, to, to the, to the books here um, that I have. So that's really cool. Um, well, thank you for running through the, yeah, the, the futures card there um, or the, the player awards. Mm-hmm. Um so let's uh, – I didn't realize I had win totals up that whole time. So um, I guess how do we how do we round it out? Um, do you have anybody else that you want to call out? I know too early for World Series picks. Not going to, you know, force you to, to throw anybody out there um, for that. But anything else you want to call out as we uh, wrap it up here? 
Um, yeah, so last year, I just didn't have a great card as far as my futures. Like, I had, I had the Rays to win the American League. I had the Padres to win the National League. And um, just, like, looking at the card, looking at all the odds this year, it's nothing very attractive. Anything that I do like is in the 6-1 to one range. And there's just too much. There's like I said, there's too much that goes on in the playoffs to be sitting on a six to one ticket with so many variable variables all year long. Um, but one, so like I said, I have about fifteen player props cards or fifteen player props on my season long card, about thirteen team props on my team prop card, and all those awards picks. So I have I have a lot of those. If if you want those, I will post them to Twitter later this week. But they've been posted on um, my dub club for about a month, so now we can talk about all that stuff later. Well, well, let's let's get into that right now. Like, how how okay. can people support you in what you do? Because, I mean, following you on Twitter, people are definitely going to be making money. Um, but what's the best way to to support you if people are following you? They become fans. What can they do to to support? So yeah, recently I started, I joined this website called Dub Club. I think it's dubclub.win is the, the website. And uh, you can subscribe to my picks for that. And they actually get texted to you. So you don't have to go to Twitter to find them. And what I do is I make my bets, post them to my Dub Club immediately. And then later on in the day, I'll post them to Twitter. Um, so that is my Dub Club. You get my picks immediately when I make them. So if anything happens within the hour between I make my bets and I post them to Twitter and odds flip could have had them texted to you, you know? Um, and then <laughs> yeah. I also recently, very recently within the month, I started contributing to a discord. Um, I had a guy, I think his, his name on Twitter is the Vegas villain or Vegas villain. He's a, a super nice dude. He, um, he has a discord community called baddies in Vegas and they have a lot of great contributors and I have a little channel in there called Nick's MLB Picks. And so same thing. I make my picks. I put them in Dub Club, copy that, put it into Discord. And then eventually I'll post it to Twitter whenever I can get to it. But if I'm making a live bet in the season, like if I'm watching a game and I'm putting in a live play, that's going to Dub Club and Discord. Like there's not time to post it three different places, you know. So if yeah. you want my live bets, Dub Club, right to your phone. I mean, if you're if you're scrolling on Twitter, I guess you could have my Twitter notifications on, and I could could get it there. But sometimes the odds will flip pretty quick, especially one pitch can make a difference. Um, but yeah, so the cool thing about the Discord is is they actually do pay their contributors. My picks on Dub Club are all free. If you do go to subscribe, it'll ask you for some card information. It doesn't charge you anything. That's in case you want to subscribe to some handicappers who charge for their picks. But my Dub Club is completely free. The Discord, if you join that, I'll have some Thrive fantasy plays this year and some Boom fantasy plays like DFS stuff I'll be posting in my Discord. Um, that one is you can donate $10 to join the Discord or you just make a Boom account or a Thrive account and put $10 into it. So that one isn't necessarily free. They ask that you do put $10 into it. But it is cool because they do actually pay their contributors so that one's kind of nice. But other than that, Twitter, Discord, and Dub Club. Fantastic. I mean, 
I feel like you should be charging for picks. <laughs> I've been told that a lot, but yeah. um, it's just, I see guys charging for their picks and then I see their season recaps and I'm like, dude, people are paying you for that. You know, yeah. and like it's a slippery slope for sure. Yeah. So, and now having two kids now, a full-time job, if I get an opportunity that comes up where I could be making good money doing this, then, then I'm not going to say no to that, but I'm going to keep them free for as long as I can. But um, like I was saying about like people who do charge for picks, like I only do baseball. That's all I do year round. And I haven't posted this on Twitter because kind of would, would rub some people the wrong way, but I always, I kind of make jokes to my buddies. Like if, if you're, if your baseball better that you get your picks from is watching March madness and not watching spring training right now, you need to, you need to get a new, <laughs> new baseball guy. That's like I think uh, there was a huge game going on this winter and I was, I was sitting there watching Dominican winter league baseball betting on that. <laughs> and some people were teasing me on Twitter. They're like, dude, you're not watching this. Like, no man, there's baseball on. That's I just think hilarious. any way you can get an edge, um, you got to do it. And the people who they cap baseball for six months out of the year, and then they just tune out of it for the whole off season. That's, you know, you're not getting any advantage there. You wouldn't like that in most other areas of your life. Yeah. Right? So, so whatever it is that you do, you know, you wouldn't want your, your financial advisor or your mortgage guy, you know, going off doing something else mm-hmm. uh half the year you need yep. them you need them fully bought in so that's a, a great point that you're making there um and i get it you know you, you need to get an edge somewhere because mm-hmm. it's, it's razor thin like baseball is a little bit different than nascar there's there's you know it's gambling on baseball is probably a lot more popular um and you know every little tiny edge will give you a leg up it becomes you know, need to take it Twitter becomes very flooded with baseball picks in the summer. And it's, it's a lot of people who they're just guys who, Oh, here's my 25 unit whale lock of the year. (laughs) It's like, what dude, they're talking about baseball. There's you put 25 units on anything in baseball. You are a clown. Yeah. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah. They, they kind of expose themselves with stuff like that. Yeah. It's just, yeah. So, Two questions for you. Okay. And so these are just like, you know, out of thin air, quick, quick answers. The first one is World Baseball Classic. Do we like it or we not like it? I love the World Baseball Classic. Yeah. I've been locked into it. This is this is the first game I've I've missed. I don't I don't even know what's happening in the Mexico Japan game right now. So my follow up to that, I, I told you to be quick, but um, my follow-up to that is, is it because this is an opportunity for you to get an edge like you were just talking about, or you actually like it like as a fan, like America, let's go. Um, no, I, I like it as a fan. I do bet on it. Actually. I, I've had world baseball classic bets just about every day. Um, but I was actually kind of bummed. This is very anti-American of me, but I was on Venezuela money line the other night and I was kind of <laughs> oh. going at it on Twitter with some people one dude lost a bunch of money and was in this group chat and I was like, I need a lock tomorrow. Like, give me, give me a lock. And then somebody was like, USA money line. I just gave it a thumbs down. I was like, dude, I'm sorry, but Venezuela's winning. <laughs> and they were like, oh my gosh, they had that game. That was the most incredible thing I've ever seen Trey Turner. When he hit that and um, 
I think it was David Peralta was playing left field. He didn't even move. I was like, there is no way that just happened. <laughs> so I felt very torn because I was like, yeah, let's go like America. And then I was losing money, but it's just the way it goes. It's kind of the betting aspect of thing. But I had a, uh, I had a three unit lock on the Dominican to win it actually at plus 250. That, that's, that's been a nightmare. <laughs> so I've kind of made up some ground on it. But like I said, I'm not going to tilt and get too low. I still keep my normal process. If I finish the World Baseball Classic down a unit, it's not the end of the world. But yeah, but yeah okay. I, I love it for baseball. And I know, sorry, I know you said it would be quick. Um, there's some Mets fans are, are definitely not a fan of it. And that all obviously really sucks for Edwin Diaz. And then um, you had... Brandon Nimmo going on the record saying like, yeah, I'd rather be playing spring training games. Steve puts a lot of money into this team. Like two days later, he got hurt sliding into second base. Yeah. And it's like, you're playing baseball and you have Mookie and, and all these guys like, this is the most electric thing ever. And it really is. These games are awesome. It's just cool to be watching meaningful baseball in March. Okay. My brother-in-law, brother-in-law and I have been bickering about the world baseball classic. I've been, I, I've just been like terrified that yeah. somebody that I care about is going to get hurt. And then you see the thing with Diaz and like, yeah, that's, that's just horrible. Like I, really I can't is. imagine being a Mets fan. No. Um, but then, but then, like you said, Nimmo gives the other side of the argument, the, the ammo that they need. So yeah, it's, um, it's tough. It's part of it, you know, injuries just happen. And, and I saw one of my buddies who's a diehard Mets fan, he just said, listen, like if Edwin Diaz got injured jumping, was it really going to hold up for the whole year? And that was yeah. kind of an interesting thought too, right? Yeah, it was going to go. Like, which it's sad. It sucks. I mean, they just paid him $100 million. Wow. And wild. I mean, he's like a, a spark plug for that team and was really exciting last year. So that's going to stink. But the Mets are still really good. They have a great bullpen. So Mets fans don't need to be too down. They still have an awesome team. Yeah. Uh, the last question that I have for you, if I take over a sports book tomorrow, yep, I am changing. You tell me good or bad move. I'm changing the bet of total bases to include walks. Oh, Can my I? gosh. Why doesn't it include? First of all, good or bad move? Do you hate that or love that? I love that. Yeah, it's so okay. frustrating. Like I don't understand why it's not part a of real it. baseball it's part player. Of the baseball game. Like yeah, walking, it is. getting a walk is is just as good as it is. What they say. Why doesn't it count? They're on first base. Drives me insane. No, I love that move. The, the odds. It would definitely change the odds. Like yes, Juan Soto would be negative odds. Like every night, Max Muncy, guys who just are on base machines. But that's a lot of fantasy baseball leagues actually that I've been a part of have been switching to on base percentage rather than total bases and whatnot because it is frustrating. I remember I had Mike Trout. I mean, this was years ago. Nobody pitched to him because he was on the terrible Angels. He would have like two walks every night. And then I'd look at his stats. He'd be 0 for 2, 0 total bases. I'd be ripping yeah. my hair out. <laughs> Yeah, I don't understand why that's the case. It seems like it would make games more fun. I know it would mm -hmm. change the odds, like you said, but like that's what you're betting for. Yeah, like you're you're betting to that. So, uh, yeah, never understood that in baseball gambling world, but um, I just needed to get confirmation that that would make people happy. So, 
Um, yeah, maybe we'll maybe I'll start complaining uh, <laughs> left and right. We'll see if it makes a difference. Um, Nick, I really appreciate you spending time, man. This has been, you know, a, a ton of but an hour and a half in here that that flew by. Um, you're you're dropping picks left and right here, really getting me bolstered for the season. Can't thank you enough. And when we were talking about when to come on, you had suggested, you know, I, w- I was saying, hey, babe, next week, because the opening day is March mm-hmm. 30th. You said, how about a week before? Um, so people have some time to absorb it. And that's fantastic. Like, I, I didn't think that you would uh, want to come on sooner. That's, you know, I just can't thank you enough. So um, really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This I, I've been really excited for this. So um, <laughs> it, it's, it's cool to like get to mash up both of those of those different things with, with NASCAR and baseball and what Chris and Ian do with NASCAR and golf. It's, it's, it's nice to bring things together and, and I guess be a part of a different audience and whatnot. So thank you for having me, Phil. Absolutely. Now, you know, I guess final last question, do you have a pick this week for, uh, for NASCAR or, or uh, have you, Given it a thought at all, they're they're encoded. They'll be they'll be round in the turns. We're going to be talking round in the bases here. So, um, do you have a pick yet, or wait I'd, for Chris to to send I'd, something? I do it. I'm told. <laughs> Chris sends. Chris puts the podcast out. I plug it in. Fantastic. Make the click. Same with Ian. I just uh yeah. I used to be all in on it with with them. Not all in as all in as Chris and everybody, but I just when I put this much time into baseball, especially during the season, it's like Chris will be in the group chat, blah, 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 this dude, we need it. We need a green, like we need a, we need a caution here and whatnot. And I'm just like, all right, the, uh, the rays are in the bottom of the ninth <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah. So it just, it gets crazy. And I just make the clicks and boom. So, but I imagine a road course, I don't know. It's a, I picked Daniel Suarez last week. That was a terrible pick, but isn't he isn't he good at road courses? Or no? He won he won a road course last That's year. And, okay. And Suarez wasn't a, a bad pick, you know, other than the fact that he he got clipped and, and wrecked out, but it wasn't his fault. So yeah, maybe Suarez. That'll be I, my pick. I'll have then. to dig Daniel into him Suarez. a little bit. Yeah, the odds have not come out yet for this week. So um people listening to this, we are recording on Monday night. I'll be recording um the, the previous part of the podcast on Tuesday night. So um, yeah, we don't know what the odds are on Suarez, but Hey, we'll want to throw a little something. I on. just, I just got this idea because uh, some people love these things. I said, I'm not a parlay guy, but if Mexico does win and I haven't seen the score, but if Mexico wins this world baseball classic game, that could be a fun little parlay. Daniel Suarez and Mexico to win the world baseball classic. I know it's anti-American mackerel, but that'd be fun. Cause is Daniel Suarez is from Mexico, right? He sure is. Yeah. Man. So that'd be a, see, Nick, I'm all about the gambling gods, man. I'm all about the gambling gods, and you know if they're if they're on vacation in Cabo this week, you know we got to take advantage of it. So let's do it, man. Um, yeah, that would be that would be fun. I would parlay something like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's fantastic. All right, well, Nick, thanks again, and I hope um, you know to to have you on again for for you know maybe for the playoffs or, or definitely you know have to make it a staple. Um, kicking off the the season every year at least yeah absolutely and again i can't thank you enough this was a blast well that'll do it for another episode of the full tank with phil podcast thank you for hanging around and thanks to our guest 
Nick's Picks coming in to talk baseball with us and educate us about the upcoming season. Get out there. Let's win some money this weekend at Coda and throw those futures in on the MLB. And we'll see you next week for Richmond. Another short track. Remember, drive fast, take chances. We'll see you Place to go. Have no place to go. Have no place to go.